Let's get sweaty. Hello and welcome back to season three of the Shemu Dojo Show. I am Skill Jim and I'm joined as ever by Matthew Oliver himself, Matthew Oliver. Wait. How's things, man? <laughs> yeah, not too bad, you. I'm not doing too bad, thanks, Matt. Yeah, got a nice sprightly show ahead of us here. Uh, I hear you've been playing a bit of Wanted Dead, is that right? I have, and straight up, I won't go too much into it. I think it gets an unfair rep. I quite enjoyed it. It's a hack and slash. Yeah, it's got some issues in terms of some of the mechanics and things, but I had, good t- I had a good time with it. Solid six, seven out of ten. We need more games like that, though, that just go, do you know what? We don't care what modern sensibilities are. We're going to make a game that we want and enjoy ourselves. So, yeah, I quite enjoyed it. I'd recommend it to people. You might have a good time. Mm. Yeah, it looks pretty good. I, I thought, like, I was watching Kyle from Easy Allies play it and... It just looks right up my street. Really fun, really quick, snappy, quite smooth gameplay. And yeah, it's like a throwback to one of those sort of 360 kind of yeah, random, random games you'd pick up and you like you don't really know much about it, but it's it's actually pretty good. <laughs> 7 out of 10, quite enjoyable. Reminds me of a game actually called Viking. I don't know if you ever played that. No, I didn't. That was released by Sega. And that was like one of those games that no one knows about. It's actually, you know, it is a, a really good, solid seven out of ten hack and slash. Excellent little gem. Yeah. Recommended. Good stuff. Good stuff. So today, me and Matt are joined by a special guest and member of the Dojo Stream Team. It's the one and only Titch Life. Titch, Hello. welcome to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's great to be back. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah, quite a minute. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. Yeah, all good at this end. Listeners may remember you from such podcast episodes as the first five anime episode reviews and fortnightly Shemu Dojo streams, where you've been playing the game that we want to revisit with today's episode topic, Shemu 3. So are you actually enjoying playing through the game again? I am. Yeah, so the playthrough that I'm doing for the dojo is my second ever playthrough, so mm. it is, it's good to be playing it again and you know, revisiting all of it. I was going to say, are you finding it any different? Like to the first time that you played it, especially streaming it because you've got people watching. So does that like kind of make you focus a bit more to do stuff in a sense? Yeah, yeah. So I think streaming a game that you've already played is interesting because you're trying to sort of balance um, like surprises and things mm-hmm. like oh, you know, you sort of know what's coming um, when you're playing a game you've already played before. So <laughs> it's trying to feign surprise to the audience, but you know, sometimes I do discover new things when I play. Even after all this time of playing the Shenmue games, there's always something new. Mm-hmm. And you're enjoying it more or about the same as the first time you played it? Oh, tricky one. I am enjoying it as much as the first time. Okay. Uh, but th- there's, there's, you can't really replicate the first time you play something, though, can you? No, I, I understand that. It's just the only reason I said that was because like, I, I feel like a lot of people don't fully appreciate Shenmue 3. Like the first time they play it, it's kind of the second time. I say like... I put it down to people having these huge expectations the first time they play Shemu 3, you know, after so long. And then obviously the second time you play it or the third time, like your expectations are kept in check a little bit. So um, you start to see more of the beauty 
if it's fair to say, Matt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a tricky one, isn't it? We went into that game with 15, 20 years of expectations. And when you take that away from it and strip it back to what they actually managed to achieve and what they had, it's, it is a good game. Yeah, that we, we've I've talked about the faults to death and I'm sure people will until the ends of time, but it's a good game for what it is. It does more than people realize at first glance and i think you have to have a second place sometimes to like you say to appreciate the beauty to take it all in and and enjoy the things that it does very well like the conversations with shenfire as, as a particular example that's kind of the the main basis of the topic for today we are going to be discussing shenmue 3 quite in depth but just in a fun sort of manner but before we get into that main discussion we're going to briefly run through a few things of recent interest so firstly, um, after the unbelievable, almost insulting Shemu the anime, you know, despite coming third in an overall poll for the best anime of 2022, didn't get one bloody judge nomination for the Crunchyroll 2022 awards. But we have since received another chance to vote for Shemu, but this time in game form. We have. Yes. So in long story short, um, you may remember back in 2013-14 time, Empire magazine did a 100 best video games of all time with Shenmue 2, I think, placed at number 52, if my memory serves me correctly. And I know that Shenmue, the original game, finished number seven. So that was a big fan vote. All these people came out, you voted for it, they tallied it up and then made this list. So basically 10 years on, they're doing the same thing again. Obviously, now when we've had loads of new releases like Spider-Man, God of War, all those sorts of games, they're looking at it again and going, right, does the list still say the same? Have things changed? Whatever. So it was open up to a fan vote again. So you could go in and vote for your top 10 games of all, of all time. So you, um, it was all done online. It closed not too long ago. And obviously, we all voted for Shenmue because the Shenmue community did come out in force for that, which is really good. And we're just waiting on the results of it now. I, I'd love Shenmue 1 to stay in the top 10. That would be amazing. That'd be absolutely awesome because I think it would just show quite how revered and respected the title is. But we just have to see. Yeah, I'll have to wait and see. We don't know if it's going to be printed in the magazine or no. it's going to be like an online thing. But obviously, if it is in Empire Magazine at some point, I'm going to definitely go out and pick it up especially if we do get in that sort of top 10 bracket it's like another achievement isn't it so we were trying to persuade everyone to vote for Shemu 1 as like first and then what did you do on yours Matt? was Shemu 2 second or something and then yeah it was I, Mario or something was it I, I can't remember I think I put Goldeneye third or something on the video I did I can't remember you know but Shemu yeah. 1 and 2 were 1 and 2 yeah, And then after that, I sort of went and did other ones. I mean, I don't know how they weight it all out. So, like, I, it might be a point scoring system, for example. So, like, your game at number one might be worth 10 points. Game at number two might be worth nine points. Mm. And then they tally it up that way. So, if you've yeah. got Shenmue 1 and 2, you know, as your number one or two game, I don't think it's going to make a massive amount of difference, potentially. But it just made sense from a voting perspective. I know it's gaming the results a little bit. If we all vote for Shenmue 1 as your first pick, then it's going to get as many points potentially as possible. But we don't know. They're, they're obviously processing it, and we'll hopefully see results in the not-too-distant future. Probably before this airs, mate, the way it goes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know what will happen. Typical, yeah. won't it? We'll, we'll get this sorted, and it'll... Um... It'd be out before I know it, but I mean, if, if Shenmue's in there and it's it's done well again, you're bound sure to see me do a video on it. So mm -hmm. just keep keep an eye out. Good stuff, good stuff. So... 
Secondly, we've highlighted many fan projects, community members, all-round talented individuals throughout the years on the show. But one person who definitely deserves a mention, not sure if we ever did give him a mention, possibly, is a guy called Richard Payne. So have you guys checked out his latest video where he's sort of showing off all of the unused combat animations in Shemmy 1? Insane. Absolutely mental. I know that I know you work with Lemon Hayes on the project as well, and Lemon sort of pointed him in the right direction for these animations. But the video presentation is absolutely epic. It's so well put together, really high quality piece of content. Titch, have you seen it? I've not, but I know exactly what I'm going to do when we finish recording. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. And the link will be in the show notes below, but it is 100% worthy of your 10 minutes of time because it's it's just... It's brilliant. It is brilliant. I don't know. I was going to say mind-blowing. I suppose it is mind-blowing because you're seeing animations that are in the code from you know the Virtua Fighter engine that was implemented into Shenmue or even jumping. There's a, an animation of Rio jumping, which I don't know if was ever intended in there, but just to see them all laid out so in-depth like this and in systematic order with all the coding and stuff at the top is a real treat to watch. It took him about two years, I think he said in his description. It was a long, long project. I know he made other videos in between. And yeah. people might people might recall his um, speed runs through the 70-man battle and absolutely mutilating everybody. Is, is he the one that's got the, the latest record for the 70-man battle? I think he so. Something like that. Yeah, I think he does. If my memory serves me correctly, he's got the world record for the 70-man battle. And it, it's insane. He's, he's taking like multiple people out in, in seconds, yeah. isn't he? And he's like juggling them as well, isn't he? Like just not allowing them to touch the floor. They'll hit the floor or something and he'll, be, he'll do like a kick move on the floor that I didn't even know was possible and they fling themselves back into the air and then he's punching them in the air. He is the master of the combat system for sure. Yeah, he's got that combat system nailed down. He can make it sing. I mean, the video just, yeah, it's just a, the icing on the cake. It's superb. Go and check it out, guys, if you haven't already. Yeah, so that is literally it for the news. We've just got a really short, tight news section there. So we're going to have a quick music break before we continue into the main discussion topic for today. And we've each chosen a song from Shenmue 3. I'm going to start with your pick, Titch. What are we going to play? So the piece of music that stood out for me <laughs> as soon as uh, James mentioned Shenmue music to me was uh, People Coming and Going. That's the Niawu music, right, I think? Yeah, I think so, yeah. The general sort of walking and wandering around. Okay, let's play that now.
welcome back. That was People Coming and Going from Shenmue3's OST. So hopefully this will be a fun show today. We're taking the idea, and I had this idea quite a while ago, Matt, but the idea of Room 101, if anyone's familiar with that TV show concept from sort of back in the day. I don't know if it's just a thing or that is it was based on that show. Does anyone know if it was like a thing outside of that show, this concept? I don't know, actually. I, I'd have to think. I remember watching Room 101 as... as a teenager it was on like on a friday night if i want to say i can't remember i think a lot of people understand what's going on but we're going to twist it slightly put a bit of a spin on it so room 101 in case you didn't know it's where you take something that you you've got a problem with perhaps and discuss the reasons why you've got the problem and then attempt to convince everyone that it deserves to be locked away in room 101 so basically removed from existence for all eternity. <laughs> for our Shemu 3 edition, we're going to do something similar, but I'm going to run through a list of all of the new or remade features that we got in Shemu 3 and present them to both Titch and Matt here to decide whether we should bin it or keep it in it. So ultimately, <laughs> say if we get a new Shemu game in the future like Shemu 4, we would come to a conclusion about what features stay and which features go into room 101. So does that make sense, guys? Yep. Yep, all good. Okay, so let's see how we get on. So I'm going to start with Titch first, and then Matt, you can either agree or disagree with Titch's opinion. Okay. And then if there is an instance where you guys can't come to an agreement, something that I'm hoping to happen for a little bit of drama, <laughs> um, then I'll, I'll step in and make the final decision, okay? Excellent. All right. Cool. It's, it should work quite nicely. There's a bit of a, a three-way here. So I'm going to start with a nice controversial one first for you, Titch. The stamina system. Bin it or keep it in it. Bin it. And you can argue. You can well. You can argue a little bit first if you want. The reason you are in it. Okay. Yep. And I kind of had a feeling that that was going to come up. And yeah, my feelings have not changed the whole time about the stamina system. I just totally forget about you know running around playing the game, getting Rio to do all sorts of stuff. And then he starts complaining that he's running out of energy. And I just don't have it in me to remember to feed him. Because <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know, maybe it's the type of games I play, that element of it isn't something that I come across a lot. So it's it's quite jarring for me to have to do that to feed Rio. So, yeah, my, my argument would always be straight in the bin. Yeah, straight in the bin. Is that the same for you, Matt? Yeah, unless they tied it to, like, fighting stats or something made it less intrusive to your exploration and i know that he wanted a stamina system in the original game there's a magazine article from years ago where he talks about it mm -hmm. um but if it's as it is in shenmue 3 get rid it nah just i'm sorry just no it has to go yeah that's kind of i i probably agree with you both there i put some four points yu suzuki originally wanted it it's arguably more realistic that rio eats i think yeah. fans have kind of requested that back in the day you know, they're always saying, like, why does he never eat or whatever? And another plus point, I suppose, is, like, there's a lot of food choice and potentially snake power that you can use mid-fight to regen some health. That I don't know. Um, the against, I put, it's kind of intrusive, especially early on, because it's linked to both running and fighting. So especially the running side of things is annoying. And then, obviously, you've got your continuity aspect, which I'm a big believer in. He's never eaten. He's never had stamina systems before and all that sort of stuff. So are we in agreement? We're going to bin that? Bin it. Yeah, bin it. Bin it off. Okay. <laughs> That's a good first one. 
And so the next one, food and drink items. So a little bit touched upon here. So I'm sort of talking about the array of food items in the game that contribute to the stamina system. So is just the general idea of having food and drink items a good thing that you want to keep or should that be binned along with the stamina system, Titch? So I kind of like the idea of having a stamina system for replenishing health in a battle. So I hate to make the Yakuza comparison, but I kind of like how it's done in Yakuza and I wish that's how they did it in Shenmue 3. Because um, mm-hmm. you can... You, know, you take Kiryu around and you can you know, take him to a nice restaurant, have a nice meal, and you know you get your health back in that sense. And that does contribute to like your battle health, etc. But it doesn't feel like it's something you know, I always have to keep on top of. I think it's just the way it was presented in Shebu 3. It just felt jarring when you're used to you know, Rio just running everywhere in one and two, like constantly and not feeling any exertion from it. Mm. But what's your feelings on like just the food and drink items being in the game, not related to the stamina? So like in the first two games, obviously you can buy a drink from the vending machine and there's like a drinking animation. It doesn't really serve a purpose, but it does kind of make you more immersed in a sense. Yeah, I, I do appreciate that aspect of it. I do. Yeah, I'm a sucker for novelty, so... Yeah, I do like the aspect of you know getting a drink because you've you've also got the chance of getting a winning can as well. So you've got a mm-hmm. you know mild gambling aspect to getting a drink. But yeah, I think they did a good job with the assortment of food drink items in Shenmue Three. I don't have a problem with that aspect. It's just I'm so forgetful and so used to not having to keep feeding Rio that it it does uh, confuse me a bit. <laughs> It sort of, I don't want to say it ruins the immersion, but I'll be, you know, so zoned in trying to get somewhere. And then Rio's like, oh, by the way, I'm hungry. You need to feed me. <laughs> it's like having like a yeah, Tamagotchi yeah. or something. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So food items, drink items, are you binning them as well? Oh, I'm a bit on the fence. Mm. Okay, well, let's see what Matt goes with first, and then we can always decide after. <sighs> If it's on the Shenmue 3 implementation of it, I'd bin it. I'd bin a lot of yeah. it um, because it it's annoying and it's it's, t- it's tied to the stammer system. If they had something similar to the Yakuza system where, like you say, you can go off and you, eat, you get some buffs from it and it's tied to attack defense, those sorts of things, then I see a purpose for it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's say that the stamina system's been binned because we binned it. Yeah. But food and drink items are left in the game. You can buy them. They don't serve any purpose other than you just feel like you're eating, you feel like you're drinking in that moment. Oh, it's not too invasive. Is it, is it worth it? Or I think I'd I'd keep it, but maybe narrow it down a little bit, similar to what the first two games did. Yeah, like a vending machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sort of iconic yeah. aspect of the game, along with the animations, of course. Of course. Okay, if you want to change anything about that, Titch, Matt's saying keep on the specifics of the food and drink. Yeah, I, I suppose I did like how in Shenmue 1 and 2, if you went to the tomato store and you bought like caramel or crisps, you got a chance mm. to enter the raffle. So yeah. I do, I, I admire that aspect. It's just, I think it's that stamina system is, is the thing that I'd been in specifically. But okay. I'd keep food and drink. So we're keeping it as long as it sort of serves a purpose that isn't stamina system. Yes. yes. <laughs> okay, I'll put it on the keep list then. Ah, good. All right, so I've got the next three could be hit or miss depending on your guys's thoughts but i've gone for the three main voice actors so we've got Corey marshall first 
let's just start with that. I'll always go to you first, Hitch. So have you got any opinion on whether or not it's worth keeping Corey, binning him? I'm, I'm pretty sure most of us wouldn't want to bin Corey Marshall, right? But do you have a, a contrasting opinion? Especially now uh, we've had the anime <laughs> at Rio. Is that anything you'd you'd rather have Austin Tyndall, perhaps? Oh, <laughs> I don't want to start any beef with anyone. These are real people. <laughs> no, in all honesty, um, Austin, you know, of course, is a great voice actor, but Rio will always be Corey Marshall for me, through and through. And I was also amazed that, you know, he come back for Shenmue mm-hmm. 3 after all those years and he still sounds exactly the same. Okay, well, that was my next question. I was going to say, do you not think he sounded any different, but deeper perhaps, I put as a little point maybe? Oh. A little bit. Was that just... I don't think I noticed, (laughs) in all honesty. Yeah, he must be just that good to maintain that character's voice for all those years. He must uh, keep practising it. He probably gets asked to do it a lot when uh, people see him in public, I suppose. True. Matt, do you want to elaborate or...? Yeah. um... I know you prefer the Japanese. I do. That's just a personal thing. It's nothing against the English voice actors at all. If budget allows it, then absolutely keep him. Keep Corey in there. He is Rio. And also outside of the games, he's done a lot with the community. He's always accessible. He's always there. He is a fan. He's a he is a Shenmue fan at the end of the day as well. And I have a lot of time for Corey. I would keep it as long as the budgets okay. allow it to happen. Good stuff. So if you're listening, Corey, you're safe. <laughs> <laughs> ah, good. How about this one then, guys? Brianna Knickerbocker, Shenfoir. Keep it. Oh, well, keep her rather not it. That sounds a bit offensive. Keep her or bin her. <laughs> oh, I feel so bad, but oh, I do prefer the original Shenhua. But then again, isn't there like three different Shenhuas? There is, yeah. So it depends yeah. which one you prefer. The original was Debbie Rabai, and I never remember the name of the second one. Oh, goodness. <laughs> no, I don't either. Yeah. No. Um, which Shenhua did you prefer? One, two, or three? I'm assuming it's two. So. The one that we have, you know, at the end of Shenmue 2, when they're walking together through the mountains. Yeah. Whichever yeah. voice actress that was, I apologise. I can't remember the name, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, Brianna. Please come back. That's basically what you're saying. Yeah, basically. Matt, is that, is that the same for you, or would you actually prefer to see Brianna back? It's a toughie, actually. Um, I th- I preferred Shenfar's voice in Shenmue 1. Okay. So, and that's... Just, again, it's a personal thing. Brianna did a good job with what she had and what she did. But be, me being me, I, I personally would, would unfortunately, Brianna, sorry if you're listening to this, I would bin you off. <laughs> well, I've got two against points, if that's going to sway you a little bit. I've put, she hasn't specifically mentioned Shenfoy since, so mm. it's kind of like a forgotten gig, gig for her. And do you think she's maybe a little bit more expensive to hire? Because she's such she's a very well, well known name. She's very well known, and actually, and if budgets did come into it, um, yeah. then it could well be a factor. I've just looked at the Shenmue two cast, and it was Akasha Scholen was the voice there of Shenmue. There you Shen go. Wally. That's the one. Yeah. So there we go. Yeah, I would, I would unfortunately lose Brianna. Yeah, I think we're in consensus. <laughs> okay, cool. So we'll put Brianna on the bin list, and hopefully she's not listening. <laughs>
Next up is Ren's voice actor, Greg Chunmat. So I've put that he's a great actor. He's been in Judgment, etc. So he's, he's got quite a high sort of status in the voice acting thing, but he's not Eric Kelso, which was a bit controversial. After hearing the new Ren, are you happy to continue with Greg or do we definitely need to bin him off and get Eric back? Oh, if Eric wasn't available, I'd happily keep Greg Chun. He did a good job with Ren and I thought he got his character quite nailed on, actually. He didn't stray too far away from the Ren that I remember in Shenmue 2, which is a good thing and it's a testament to, to the performance that was put in there. Um, but if Eric is available and can do it and there's, there's scope for Eric to do it, then unfortunately I would take Eric Kelso over Greg Chun just, just because I think... Again, like a bit like Corey, he's an institution in the community. His portrayal of Ren is excellent. I think him and Corey bounce off each other quite well. You hear that in Shenmue 2, and I'd love that to be replicated in a, in a fourth game. So for, for me, I'd bin Greg Chun, but it's a reluctant bin. Okay, Titch, how are you feeling? I can't really add anything else to this, the discussion. I totally agree with Matt. There's something about the... Friendship, well, is it friendship if between Ren and Rio in uh, Shenmue 2 at least and with Eric Kelso doing the voice there? There's just something about it that's just magical. You can tell there is that sort of, you know, um, rapport going on outside mm. of the game. So, yeah, yeah. I, I do kind of agree, actually. It's somewhat there in Shenmue 3, but it feels like it's lost at the same time. Yeah. It doesn't feel like the the close brother really br- brotherly relationship that they are in Shenmue 2 anyway for me it yeah it's it's difficult because I think they record like Shenmue 2 I know they for example they handcuffed each other together didn't they to do some of those lines and sort of went through a bit of a method acting phase with it which I think it shows whereas Corey and Greg did their lines separately for Shenmue 3 um probably because part, part of the reason being it's probably quite a lot cheaper to get people in <laughs> that way and do it um but again, as well, I think some of that brotherly love was lost a little bit because of the, the writing around the story, but I'm not going to go too much into that. Okay, so I've got us all down to Ben Greg Chun, unfortunately. Yeah. Okie dokie. Yeah, sadly. <laughs> right, so moving away from voice work now. This is a bit of an interesting one for you guys to to, to ponder, debate. So, Baishi or the lack of? So, is this something that you want to keep into the series or do you think they've gone past the point of no return and it's okay to bin Baishi now? Is it something that should have been in Shemu 3 that doesn't hold a place in Shemu 4? Ooh. <laughs> That's a toughie. Mm. So... Four, if you want me to add a little bit to what I've put. So I've put that yeah, Yusuke seemed really excited and focused on Baisha for the whole of the Kickstarter. You know, we've mentioned this in the past. He kind of made Baisha the biggest one of the three when he was talking about what's going to be in Shemu 3, the two lose, etc. You know, stuff like that. And you've seen them working on it. And my against points are basically now that it, it could be too late. They've redone the ending of the game, the Niawu Castle aspect. So do you think it might just be skipped now and it's no longer necessary? It's going to be a bit of a waste of budget and that sort of stuff to to bring it back if it doesn't need to be there anymore? Well, it's, it's a tough one because they made some of it. So from a budget standpoint, could they use it? 
and and rewrite the story again to fit it in maybe i personally i think it's gone beyond by sure and i don't think we're going to see it unfortunately um so for me reluctantly i would bin it on the premise that the story's moved on and we need to move on with it and i don't think by is going to be there titch were you excited for by are you still excited to see by or are you in, in agreement with matt there yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement with Matt again. Um, unless they can shoehorn it in somehow into Shemi 4, but I think it might be a bit jarring if it's you know, gone past and you know there's no way it can fit in. I mean, the other option is, it pains me to say, put it in as some sort of DLC for fan service. Now that they brought back, is it Zang? The guy who always gets yeah. kidnapped. Yeah. yeah, so maybe something like that, I suppose, but... Yeah, so it's not always ideal. I'd rather have the game as one package, in all honesty. And it's difficult because it looks like it was such a big area as well. It was like mm. one of the main focuses of Shenmue 3. Um, I mean, I would have personally kept it just on the basis that I don't want anything to be removed from the game. I know they've skipped chapters and stuff in the past, but I'd, I'd rather they didn't personally just because I, I want as much Shenmue as we can get but obviously then that com- comes with the price itself then it because then you're, you're being a bit greedy and you're always wanting more so I'll leave it to you guys you, you both sound a bit binny on that one yeah bin it for me yeah I think it's <laughs> point of no return now isn't it okay we're putting it into room 101 then Unfortunately. Okay, next one. Another sort of interesting one. It's not so specific something that you can say whether or not to keep it or bin it, but I've put this down because it is something that's in Shemu 3 that's kind of a little bit controversial. For, for me, it was anyway, and that's Shemfo's house. So obviously, we know it's quite a bit different than it was at the end of Shemu 2. They've added a room for Rio, they've got rid of the, the wall scroll of Liuang which is continuity-wise, it's not great. And also Switch has done a blog post on this recently, which is quite interesting. And he's basically showing the differences between both houses. And, you know, she's got electrical appliances now. She's got, like, fridge freezer, whereas before she just had, like, you know, a stove and, like... Because it is a rural village at the end of the day. So what I'm posing to you to put into Room 101 or not is are you happy with past events like this being changed for the purpose of a game. So they, they've, for some reason, they've gone ahead and changed Shenfo's house because it suited, I don't know, the release in China or it suited whatever they wanted to do, give Rio his own room, for example. Are you happy for that to continue in Shenmue 4 where perhaps if they go back to Dubuita, has Hazuki Residence has got an extra room <laughs> or would you rather they, they kept into the, the continuity of, of everything? I suppose if it makes sense with the timeline of the story and you know technology that was around at that time, then I'm totally fine with it. But I, honestly, I didn't notice about the fridge in Shenhua's house, and now I can't unsee it, and it's really going to annoy me now when I go back <laughs> and play it. Oh no! <laughs> no, I, I'm. I, I, what? I don't know how that has any sort of reason to be in a house. That's really annoyed me now. <laughs> mm, and all of a sudden they've got electricity. They've got like a generator and obviously the whole village is kind of powered. Whereas before it seemed like the original intention was to keep it quite rural. And obviously in the conversation 
on the journey to Shenfor's house, she's you know she doesn't know what an arcade is. Um, she's very what's that word? Sort of like awe inspired by what Rio's saying about Japan because her life's so much different. And then obviously when you get to Shenfor's house, it's actually all not that different because she has got a you know a, an oven <laughs> all of a sudden. <laughs> But don't don't focus too much on the house. Just the 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 idea of changing stuff in a future game that we've already come to sort of already know. Yeah, I I stand by my original point then about as long as it makes sense in the timeline of the story and you know advancement of technology. You don't mind them changing the the game and stuff. Only if it's suitable. It doesn't have a direct impact too much on the story, and you know it does follow. So if if you got back to the dojo and. For some reason, the dojo had an extra room. That would be okay, as long as it didn't have a freezer. <laughs> well, oh, they do have a freezer, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a tough one. That's more. That's more difficult because mm. it's with 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 Shenfar's house. Let's let's be honest. In Shenmue Two, we may have been in it a lot because we played the game a lot. We don't actually spend a lot of time in it. Yeah. Whereas Hazuki Dojo. I think it would be a lot more jarring if they chucked an extra room onto it because you spend a lot of time there in Shenmue 1. So, and I don't think it makes sense. Whereas Shenfar's house, okay, some of the stuff they took out of it in terms of the, the, the tapestry and the, the picture of the mountains, etc. Is that because they had, have had to change the story in order to essentially maybe get this thing done? Mm-hmm. So they've had to take those things out and therefore it makes sense down the line. So... So you'd be happy with changes as long as it means that the game gets made for whatever reason? Yeah, I'd be happy as long as they make, like Titch has said, I think as long as they make sense and are story relevant, then it makes makes absolute sense to allow those changes to happen. But just fancifully changing the Hazuki Dojo and putting an extra room on it for no reason whatsoever, I'd have a problem with. Mm. Okay, so we're going to have a caveat to that. So we're, we're keeping in minute changes to things that we've already grown to appreciate and love as long as it makes sense yeah yeah okay (laughs) fair Ah, enough good okay so the next one i've got down as the affinity system so obviously you don't really see too much in play you've got those amazing nighttime conversations that kind of contribute towards it but at the end of the day the affinity system was basically an extra little cutscene before rio goes to sleep or an extra little cutscene as he's leaving so is that something that you really want to keep in the game or could you make do without it and bin it off? I do quite like it, to be honest, but then I have severe FOMO of you know missing certain things like that because there's a lot of stuff that I haven't seen in Shenmue 2 and even Shenmue 1 um, for that reason. So, yeah, I'm happy for it to be in the game because, you know, I could always just go on YouTube or, you know, find it elsewhere if I do miss it, but... I suppose it gives you something to work towards as well. It adds to like the replayability of the game. So you know you can go back with that intention of, oh, I, I really want to make sure I get that cutscene next time and make sure I develop my mm-hmm. relationship with that character. So, yeah. And that basically is like a Shenmue thing, isn't it? In yeah. terms of you know you're discovering cutscenes and things that you didn't realize were happening the first time you played. So yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh, Matt, have you got any opinion on the affinity system? Is it something you could make do without? It's a hard, hard. It has to be there for me. I, I, I'm really attached to those conversations with Shenfar. I think they're one of the things that actually that they did that held up well to the to the original games. Mm-hmm. 
And I would think it would lose some of that if they took it out. I'd like to see it expanded. I'd like to see that expand out to Ren and and how that might play out and maybe some of the other characters that you meet along the way. So I would absolutely 100% keep that affinity system in and and develop it and and use it as a basis for character development and what Shenmue does very, very well, which is is have good characters and have a good story. Mm. And it does sort of give you more interactions with those characters as well at the end of the day. Um, you know, I, I know this affinity system was designed for Shenfoir, so it works really well that, you know, she gets a bit close to Rio, waking him up, waving goodbye to him and different things based on some of the things that you've said to her. So, yeah, strong case there, Matt. Are we keeping that then, do you reckon? Absolutely, for me. Yes, me too. Okie dokie. Good stuff, guys. Ah, good. Next, bit of a fun one, forklifting. <laughs> so obviously we've had forklifting in Shemu 1 I guess people missed it in Shemu 2 and then they brought it back for Shemu 3 a lot of people like the forklifting aspect of the Shemu series for whatever reason they've got the fondness with the original game but say if it was to come back again for a fourth time essentially or third time you know technically is that a bit overkill or is, is forklifting something that must be in a future Shemu game <sighs> I don't know. It's because forklifting is Shenmue's a meme, isn't it? Let's not you know, beat around the bush. It's a meme these days. Quite frankly, I I didn't mind the forklifting Shenmue three. I thought it was quite well done, and it fitted in because obviously you put the pallets in, and then you see the arcade machines and things change as, as the as the day moved on, which I thought was really really clever. Um, but quite frankly, it was fan servicey. It didn't particularly need it, and I would bin it. Ooh, quite a uh, strong, <laughs> strong opinion there, Matt. Benning forklifting. I think you might get a few hate emails. Um, Titch, <laughs> what's your your opinion of forklifting? Is it something Ooh. that needs to come back? So my view is, I'm happy to have it in the game as long as it's not a main aspect of the story. Because in Shamu One, it was a key part of the story. You know, Rio going through each workday and coming across different sailors and thugs at the harbour so it made sense there to be a key focal point in the story but i'm happy for it to be still in the game but as a side thing as another means of making Mm. money sort of like the wood chopping um and selling herbs and things i'm happy in that sense so basically like it was in shemu 3 yeah yeah so basically just a side thing that you can do you know for to get a bit of fan service so yeah, my my opinions aren't as strong as Matt's. I'm happy, you know, either way. But I suppose so long as we have that caveat of it's not the main point of the story because then we're just, you know, going back to Shemmy 1 all over again. So this is probably the first one where I'm having to decide on this one, I think, because if you're keeping it, Titch, and Matt's been in it, ooh, harder than you think when you come to this sort of decision to be made. But I think... I think I like what you're saying, Titch. I think they could kind of copy and paste, in a sense, as long as it makes sense. If there is like another city or town that has this warehousey aspect to it, and it's not shoehorned in, like they just build a warehouse for the sake of building a warehouse on the side of a, you know, Bailey village or something, and it just so happens they have a forklift <laughs> and a position. Um, oh, that is a tough one. Because I, I agree with both of you. I don't think it needs to be in another game because we've kind of had it. I feel like maybe they could do with doing something else, something a bit different. I'm going to bin it, you know, forklift. And I think B 
because of the basis that it's a meme as well, I feel like it's not necessary to, to, to do forklifting again. I think it served its purpose and they can spend the time and effort to give us something a little bit different. I think maybe they thought that at the same time in, in Shemu 2. I know both games worked on in tandem 1 and 2, so maybe they thought we don't need to do the forklifting, let's design a new mini game, the box carrying. Probably do prefer forklifting over the box carrying, but for Shemu 4, I'm going to bin forklifting. I'm going to be controversial there and bin it. Oh, we're getting sacked in the morning. <laughs> We do love Shemu, of course. To just a little bit of fun. I think that, that's okay. I think we can bin forklifting now. <laughs> and in the same respect, Lucky Hit, guys. Again, it's another one of the fan favourite sort of mini games. But I did feel like. The, obviously, they had to remake it for Shemu 3, and I didn't feel like the ball physics were as good. So do do we think it's time for change? Should they uh, suck off Lucky Hit in Shemu 4? If it's the Shemu 3 version, yeah, bin it. I just didn't get on with it straight up. <laughs> okay. Titch, what's your thoughts on Lucky Hit? Yeah. I, I, in Shemu 3, at least. I didn't find myself playing Lucky Hit a lot in Shemu 3. I think I liked the whole... You know, running the stand aspect that we had in Shemu 2. Mm. And also, <laughs> for some reason, I prefer the idea of winning like monetary prizes because I think a lot of the lucky hits across Shemu 3, I think, are like prize related. Well, what's your thought on lucky hit if they brought it back and you could now have a part time job as a lucky hit stand guy? See, that's the thing. I love doing all that side of it when I was little, but it's so difficult to make like money for Rio on it. It's quite a risk and it takes a lot of time, you know, waiting for people to come by and actually play with you. So oh, I might be ready to part with Lucky Hit, I'm afraid. All right. So both sounds like you've been in Lucky Hit. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, been All it. Right, we'll bin it now for Shemu 4. We've had it. It's served its purpose in 2 and 3. doesn't need to be in, a, in another game. One thing that was brand new in Shemu 3 was the wood chopping as a job. Addictive, maybe? What's your thoughts on wood chopping? I really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, something different. Something, yeah, quite definitely addictive. <laughs> so, yeah, something about it that's quite satisfying. And of course, it helps um, Rio in the game as well to make some money. So, yeah, it makes a change from forklifting and lifting crates and things. So, yeah, it's a welcome addition for me. Do you think it's too slow to earn money? Oh, I mean, I suppose it adds to the balance, doesn't it? Because you can make money quickly by, you know, <laughs> doing certain things you know, to do with the fortune teller and gambling. So it sort of gives you the option, I suppose. So, yeah, arguably it is a slow way of making money. But if you really want to race through the game, the option's there to do that as well. So, yeah, it's just a nice little fun mini game to do to pass some time, I suppose. And one thing we did figure out, and well, someone mentioned in your stream the other day, if you don't have enough money to pay the Niawu Hotel lady, you're forced to do uh, some wood chopping <laughs> to pay for it. Is that something you're happy to do again? I mean, personally, yeah, I suppose, as long as it's not forced on me every day to the point where it drives me a bit bonkers. But as an option, I'm happy for it to be there. 
Okay, we haven't heard your side, Matt. What's your thoughts on wood chopping? I loved it. I was addicted to that bloody game. I spent loads of time wood chopping, and I didn't. I know it's a bit slow to earn money, but I didn't find it a chore. <laughs> I, it's a bit like one inch punch. I found that really addictive. Um, so I'd absolutely keep it. Maybe tweak the the earning rate, but I'd keep it. I found it really good fun. It was addictive, and I'd spend a little bit of time on a stream or or playing it on my own. And before you know it, you've earned a few hundred yuan, and actually you can then, like Titcher said, go and blow that on gambling. So it serves a purpose to give you a bit of money to then go hard on the gambling, and then if you fail the gambling, you go back and make a bit more money and carry on. So I keep it. Okay, so we're keeping wood chopping. That was quite a straightforward one. Ah, good. We're going to be staying with mini games quite a lot for the next few. So, smart ball, <laughs> guys. I don't know. A lot of people out there might not even know what smart ball was. It was kind of like a, a passing sort of game. I mean, I quite liked it. To be fair, I quite liked how the metal ball physics felt. It felt weighty, nice. It felt like you were playing some sort of old school pinball kind of thing. Um, it was quite a few of them, so there was quite a good table variety. But maybe there was too many. And like we found the other day, Titch, it's almost impossible to win. <laughs> so do they serve a purpose? Is it something you want to see in a Shenmue 4? Or had you already forgotten about Smart Ball, guys? I'd been it straight up. I didn't play it very much. I sort of had to force myself to a bit. There were a lot of them. And when I was doing the trophy hunting on PlayStation, that's when I played it more because I think you needed some of the... Um, prizes to to get your trophy but i generally speaking wasn't fussed by it and therefore i just bin it because i didn't use it and i wouldn't miss it in a fourth game yeah i'm in agreement with matt again on this one yeah i I do think the physics of the board is very good but yeah as as we sort of learned from (laughs) my stream the other day it's not very easy to win it's quite sort of cumbersome and sort of hard to figure out how to actually win as well because some of the boards are really confusing as to how you actually win the prizes. Yeah, like that red line one, red and blue line one. Yeah, I think it's one of them, I, I take it or leave it, like lucky hit, as long as it's sort of on the side, I, the option's there, but it's not something I desperately want to see in a future game. Okay, sounds like we've been in it then. Yep. We are. We are. <laughs> Um, Pale Toss. So <laughs> I'm going to include the arcade versions of this game. So obviously you've got the one that's in Bailu with the the Scar Man, what's his name, the Buki. Yeah. But there is, and there's quite a few arcades in now, we're perhaps too many, but you've got a golf version, a football version, and a basketball version. And they all basically have the same mechanic of Rio throwing a ball type thing at a target. So... I will read my pros and cons for this one just because I amuse myself by it. So pros, similar to darts. Cons, it's not darts. <laughs> so, um, Titch, what's your opinion on the um, the Pale Toss type game? Same again. Take it or leave it. I mean, it is sort of crucial to the start of the story where you have to win the prize <laughs> with the, the guy that's got the scar or play the game, you know, in order to progress the story. So I suppose in three it, it's, you know, integral in that aspect. But yeah, I could take it or leave it for future games. So when you say take it or leave it, are you saying bin it? 
Oh. Yeah, I suppose if it means something else better gets put to, put in or, you know, resources can be focused elsewhere that are more sort of integral to the game. Yeah, I suppose there are quite a few mini games anyway. So I wouldn't miss it. I'd probably rather have darts. Okay, fair point. Um, same for you, Mark? Yeah. I didn't mind it. I had I played it and quite enjoyed it. And at this rate, when we've been in all the mini games, off, there's been nothing left. So I'll have no budget because I have to make some new ones, won't they? But, um, ideally speaking, if there was something better, like darts could come back in place of it, then I would bin it off. But if it had to be in the game, I, I, I wouldn't cry. But to, to make a solid decision right now, I would bin it. Okay, so that's two bins. So instantly binning it, regardless that I was really quite keen to keep it, to be honest, guys. So. <laughs> right next one mechanical arcade games so this is well mechanical and arcade games so you've got your highway star your wacky mole and your chobu chan fighter in this bracket so those are the ones I could think of. I don't know if there's any more. You had Excite, um, you had Excite QTE and QTE Title, the other two. Yeah, of course you did. Okay. So, yeah, including all of that into one little category here. I, I suppose, Mark, you've got your favourites, Titch. You've probably got your own favourites out of these lists of uh, different titles that you can play in the arcade. But obviously, if you're getting rid of quite a few in one thing, there's been no point in an arcade. So I'm essentially saying arcades, keep them or bin them. I would keep the arcade games. They are addictive, they are fun, and they are very, very Shenmue. They don't impose themselves in any way, shape, or form. They're completely optional. I enjoyed most of them. Um, I had a bit of an addiction to Wacky Mole, actually. Um, I play it a lot on stream. Um, Yeah, absolutely, 100% keep them. Good stuff, man. I, I suppose in the game that we're playing here, we're essentially saying there has to be an arcade in Shinmu 4. So even if the vibe of the city or whatever doesn't feel like it's an arcade happens to be around the corner, you're going to find one because you're keeping it. Yeah, I, I think they could be a bit more clever with how they did it, like in Bailu Village. Yeah. Um, that it was a bit shoehorned in, but they could like hide it away somewhere and you almost have to secretly find it. So it doesn't... doesn't impose on the aesthetics but then you look at where the story's going and if you end up in like luang or beijing or somewhere they're mm. major cities so you're bound sure to have one okay and you'd be happy with the mechanical side of things or would you rather see some sort of upgrades because you're in those cities like get a virtual fire three cabinet there or something I'd, or um, air twister cabinet <laughs> i'd love them i'd love to see that um, my only concern possibly would be that they are modern modern games that aren't the aesthetics really of the time period whereas you look at the first two games you had um hang on and space harrier yeah and outrun which were all released around that era but then i guess on the flip side of it you had arcades with virtual fighter posters which clearly hadn't been released so sega saturn yeah it's six one half a dozen the other i guess isn't it i put it this way i wouldn't be upset if they did do it but i the the mechanical side of things i would absolutely keep okie dokie titch yeah, easy on this one. Total agreement with Matt. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I do like the um, mechanical mechanical machines and the sort of electronic games as well. So, yeah, as long as they fit into the surroundings, I'm happy. But yeah, I do love Wacky Mole. 
Okay, good stuff. So that's a hard keep on that one. Very good. Ah, good. Sticking with the mini games, but this time gambling. So we got frog, turtle racing, obviously flower, wind, bird, moon was returned as well. So gambling games, guys, we're happy for them to stay. Maybe the same games, or would you prefer to see some different games in there next time? Not including Lucky Hit, of course, because we've already been that. I suppose uh, we haven't had any sort of card gambling games, have we? Or have I imagined that? No, you're not. You're not imagining that at all. We did have like big and small like dice games that weren't in Shamu 3, so obviously they could return. Yeah, it's a good way to earn money, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I do <laughs> enjoy the gambling, you know, the fun aspect of it. Not, you know, it's just sort of going, not expecting to win every time, but I, I do quite enjoy them. They're good to do on stream as well, good to, you know, get audience participation in that as aspect. But yeah, I, I have no sort of <laughs> a desire to put the uh, the gambling games into the bin, but it would be cool to see, you know, like card gambling as a, a mm -hmm. new thing. But I'm happy with what we have. Had. So you'd be happy for like, frog and turtle racing to return <laughs> yeah from a personal aspect because i love animals and I, I like the little silly noises that they make <laughs> but yeah I'm, I'm happy to keep the gambling aspect were you devastated that snail racing wasn't included in i was yeah <laughs> <laughs> i i agree with titch i think that they serve a good purpose and a quite good fun actually um Turtle racing is—it's hilarious because it's obviously a bit of a button masher, and even though you mash the buttons quite a lot, you don't win every time either, which is quite an interesting mechanic on it. Snail racing would have been funny just to place your bet, come back at night, and see if your snails won. But unfortunately, that never never saw the light of day. <laughs> I'd like to see some of the Shenmue Two ones come back, like big or small, or some of the um, I can't remember name name of the board games they had in some of the warehouses, but some of those were quite, you could win a lot of money on those. And I'd like it tied to money rather than tokens in the economy. Mm. Um, okay. I know they obviously did, did it in Shenmue 3 for, for the Chinese market, and that's that's understandable, but I, I'd keep them. Okie dokie, guys. It sounds like we're in agreement there. We're going to keep gambling games. Ah, good. And I didn't realise this was quite well ordered as well as well ordered as it was. But next up, in light of the gambling aspect of things, fortune tellers. So obviously we have had fortune tellers in Shemu One, where it gives you a little hint of what to do next, or there was even a little gamble option or clue or whatever it was to get a a number for the slot house slot machines. Shemu Two, what was their use? Kind of more just for directions. Shemu Threes, on the other hand. Is like kind of taking that gambling aspect from Shemu 1 where you get a colour and a number. Is that something you want to keep in Shemu 4 or have we been in that aspect of the, the fortune teller? I mean, I mean, it's not get, saying get rid of fortune tellers, but the um, the use of them being for colour and numbers, basically. So saying more like if they were there to be used with story, etc., a bit more like Shemu 1. Yeah. Oh, can I have both? <laughs> <laughs> so you want them to just expand the options and give you like yeah i can't like like shemu ones where you can you can pick one of yeah four options or whatever exactly that i would i would keep it and more towards the shemu one version and then just put gambling in with it and that would do me quite nicely okay titch did you use the fortune tellers too much in shemu three i probably did yeah <laughs> just yeah. to get past certain aspects of the story but i suppose it's like what i said earlier you've got the choice on how you make money in the game. So, yeah, I think 
I, I didn't really use fortune tellers in the earlier games, but I okay. do remember using it a lot in Shenmue 3. So, yeah, I like Matt's idea of having a mix of the two, mm-hmm. of the, uh, you know, the, the sort of aspect that helps you with gambling, but also with progressing with the story as well. So it's, it's not a bin for me. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, this kind of saved the purpose in Shenmue 3 as well for, like, it, it was always difficult to know, actually, when your number or colour had run out. That was the only thing with that. The drawback for that was, like, you get a colour or something and you'd bet, like, three or four times and not win and be like, well, do I go back to the fortune teller or do I carry on and stick with this colour? It wasn't so clear, actually, what the the increased odds was giving you from the fortune teller. So we're keeping them on the caveat that they use them and expand them a little bit more than what they did do in Shimmer 3. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. Yep. Okie dokie. Ah, good. And I think the last, unless I've got some later, but the last little mini game for now, fishing. So, hmm, I'm interested to see your opinions on fishing, whether you both utilised it to its fullest. I quite enjoyed it. I I felt like the mechanics were a lot like Sega Bass Fishing, nice and relaxing, just trying to remind you like there's a few things going on, there's tournaments going on, etc., and you do still make money from the, the fish you caught. So is there a drawback there, Titch, to, to fishing, would you say? Yeah, the state of my hands after <laughs> trying to reel in a fish <laughs> using the yeah. palm of my hand. Yeah, I wasn't particularly good at the fishing, but you know the, the way it was executed, I thought they did a really good job of it, considering it's just a you know an add-on to, to the game, mm-hmm. basically. You know, So, yeah, I'm not one that I'm going to bin. I'm, I did quite like it, despite not <laughs> not being very good at it. What was your opinion on it after catching a thousand fish? Oh God, I, d- I didn't have the patience for that. <laughs> that's that's probably one of the side quests I uh, swiftly avoided. <laughs> yeah, just to make sure you know I kept my hand in one piece. But yeah, it, I did. I do think it's uh, a good aspect to the game. I'm glad they put it in. And you'd keep it obviously for Shemi Four. Yeah, yeah, it'd be nice. It's it's, it's relaxing, isn't it? It's just mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> as long as there's no pressure to. You know, catch a thousand fish to progress a story. Yeah, <laughs> as a side thing. Yeah, I'm happy with it. I keep it. I I you know, I'd engage with it too much on my first playthrough. I can't remember why. But then subsequent playthroughs, I've played it more and more, and I find it quite therapeutic. Actually, just sitting there fishing. It's a good little money earner. You get the um, you get some of the Bailey Village music playing in the background quite nicely as well. It could be quite therapeutic. Mechanics are good, actually, when you think of, and I don't want to criticise Sonic Frontiers because that's a good game in itself. That's a very basic fishing mechanic, isn't it? Yeah. You chuck your rod in wherever you want, you get a bite, you time it, and away you go. Whereas Shenmue 3's one was a little bit more interactive that way, like you say. Yeah, a bit more like Sega Bass Fishing, wasn't yeah. it? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you have to pull it and reel it. And yeah. And actually, if they really wanted to and use like motion controls on a PlayStation 5, you could maybe engage some of that as well, which would be quite cool. I'd keep Ooh. it. Absolutely keep it. Shenmue Fishing VR. <laughs> there you go. Do it. Do it now. Why not? Why not, eh? Okay, we're keeping fishing. So we're on a bit of a, a spree of keeping at the moment, which is good. Ah, good. So going back to a little point you did make earlier then, Matt. So tokens and the economy system as a whole I've got here. So just to give you a bit of context on what I'm talking about here, obviously quite a complex, convoluted way of earning money, weren't there? You, I'll say if you're going to gambling, you'd pay for tokens, you'd use the tokens to earn more tokens, then you'd use the tokens to go to a shop to buy 
certain items that you could sell to a pawn shop to potentially try and get more money that way. So that sort of a system, is that something that you quite enjoyed? Would you, you're happy to keep that sort of a, an economy system? Or do you feel like it was a little bit too unnecessary? You'd rather just like Titch, I think you said earlier, you'd rather just play a gambling game with money and win money. Yeah, I think it overcomplicated it a bit for me, but I understand why they put it in because of the whole sort of gambling law thing. It's sort of a loophole, mm. isn't it, to, to do it in that manner. So yeah. in terms of realism, I'd be happy to keep it but in terms of me getting confused maybe not i was wondering earlier when i was thinking about this do you reckon it was also the reason for doing this i know they were trying to get into the chinese market as well and obviously japan have pachinko machines that are sort of a similar sort of system but do you think it actually brings the rating of the game down i was thinking i was wondering if mike they was trying to appeal to as bigger an audience as they could so perhaps by including gambling you're talking a 15 by creating this type of a system where it's well i don't know what to compare it to but you know when you go to like one of these arcades and you get tickets and then you swap the tickets for a little toy do you think that could have brought the game down to 12 in that sense or is that am i just making that up it's it's a funny one because Mm. i'm just looking at the ratings for shenmue uh one and two which have gambling for money shenmue two does and it's rated as a as teen 13 and up okay um so what shenmue three did that have a gambling thing on the back? Uh, it did, um, okay. and it was also rated for teen. So it didn't make a difference then, no? So it didn't make a difference to the rating of the game in terms of age restriction. I think it was literally because of the Chinese market. Mm. Um, I do think it was a bit convoluted. I have no problem with buying tokens, winning tokens, exchanging tokens for money directly. That's that's fine. I think the intermediary part of buying things... Uh, a pawn shop and then trading them off. Oh, you got this prize exchange yeah. type of thing going on, aren't you? Which yeah, and added actually, an extra unnecessary thing to it. And, and actually, what they could do with something like that is maybe have a balance on that system. So, for example, you could trade your tokens for money directly. However, but if you want to earn a lot of money, there could be like a load, yeah, you know, like four or five big prizes that you gamble towards with tokens that you can then buy in exchange. So they keep an element of it, but don't go overboard with it, which I think they did a little bit in Shenmue 3. The other alternative is they just bin the whole bloody lot and just go back to the Shenmue 2 system, which would be my preferred option. Okay, so I'm trying to get a grasp, a grasp on what you, you're both saying there. Are you you're saying that we're, we'd rather be boring and just go money for money, or you quite like the idea of incorporating different ways of earning money trading prizes and the the kind of maybe they had too many items if anything from all these shops but is that a positive in a sense that you know there is a lot of things to sort of debate about which one's better to buy um how do i use my money so the economy system is complex but it lets you do more things than just a straight sort of forward yeah, money exchange. I mean it, it's hard because I, I know when I interviewed oh God this is going back a few years now when I interviewed Ryan Payton he said the economy system was considered quite harsh mm-hmm. so I suppose that has to factor into it a little bit. So if they just tweaked it do you think? If they tweaked it and made it less overwhelming and more, more towards a straight trade for tokens for money then I would be up for keeping it. If it's as it is right now in Shenmue 3, I would bin it off and go straight back to Shenmue 2. So you're on the binning side of things? Yeah, if I made my colours to the mask, bin it. Okay, 
Titch, where were you? Yeah, I'm erring towards the side of binning, I'm, I'm afraid. Okay, let's put it under binning then, because hopefully they won't need to do that if it was to sort of get around some sort of thing. It was never released in China, as far as I'm aware, so in the end it was a bit unnecessary. But depends how much time they wasted to create mm. that kind of a system. Did the, too much thought and stuff go into like creating all these items, all these systems and stuff? And we could have essentially just had a straightforward money to money, and they would have had you know an extra month to work on something else. I don't know if it was that deep, or is there something that maybe Yu Suzuki was actually quite fond of? I do remember that one press conference where he was showing you how the system was. It was sort of like a a cycle wanted it was like this, this yeah, plus, yeah, going yeah, around. yeah but based on what you said both said binning so i'm happy to to put it in there we'll put that into room 101 <laughs> and uh yeah so basically your version of shemu 4 we're just using money to gamble and you're winning money back. Sort of like, like you said, Matt, like Shemu 2's system. Yeah, very much so. Follow Shenmue Dojo and help me continue my journey to avenge my father. Let's get sweaty. Okay, this one, I'm not quite sure what kind of an answer we're going to get on this one. This is just something I just thought of. It was implemented in Shenmue 3. It wasn't in the previous games as such. I guess apart from the walk at the end of Shenmue 2, but I've got Shenoir following. So basically what I'm considering this to be is like you're on this journey with Shenmue now and she follows Rio into the village, doesn't she? 
when you talk to a character, she sort of interjects and starts talking as well. And there's kind of a, I want to say, an affinity system based on that she's there with Rio. So the characters act a little bit more pleasantly to Rio than perhaps they would have done. So for plus points, I've got that you've got nice interactions with residents of Bailu. And it feels like you're both discovering together. You're both on this journey together now, ever since the end of Shemu 2 there. We're, we're both, you know, it is a story about Rio and Shemfoir now. But the against point there is that in those sort of sections, it kind of limits your gameplay temporary. You're sort of forced into the area. You're forced to speak with Shemfoir until something triggers or whatever, and she leaves you alone. And then you can go off and do your open world aspect that you... you come to appreciate from Shenmue. Mm -hmm. Sort of like what happens in Niawu, where she stays in the room, you never really do anything with her. But a lot of Bailu is sort of spent with Shenfoir, isn't it? Yeah. Which side of the game are you happy with? So if in a Shenmue 4, would you rather it be more like Bailu, where she follows you around, talks to people with you, but you can't wander off too far and do your own sort of thing, go to the arcade or whatever. Maybe you can, I don't know. It's what I was saying. Or more of the Niawu side, where you only really see her at night and disclose what you found out for the, throughout the day. That's a tough one. Mm. That's a tough one. I'd like a system in Shenmue 4 where you actually have the choice. So at day one, for example, you're going to wherever you're heading to and Shenfar says, do you want me to come to mm. the, vi- uh, the village, just as an example, with, with, with you? And Rio can say yes or no. Now, that then could have an impact on the path of clue hunting that you go on. You might go on a very different route because Shenfire isn't there. You might go on one, a different route because she is there. Some characters might act better towards you. Some might not. You can have a bit of freedom. I'd like the option, more, yeah, maybe every morning or at key points in the game that branch off that you can have one or the other. Now, budget may not allow for that, of course, because but that's a different kettle of fish. I would like it to, to stay, but be developed on a bit further to give the player more choice. Okay, so we're putting a caveat on that as well. You're happy for Shenfar following, but maybe you've got a bit of a choice to it. Yeah, and actually to add to that, I'd like an option of who you can take. Mm, so you Shenfar could take Ren. Ren. Yeah. I suppose I should have sort of stemmed from that, like the option for the potential of other characters to follow. Obviously, maybe Shuing comes up at one point and follows Rio or... Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think if they could develop a good system like that 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 would work and was budget-friendly and it wasn't going to take too much hassle, then I'd be all for it. But if not, and it's it's going the budget needs to go elsewhere, which, realistically speaking, it may need to, then I would happily... Know, take a simplified system of it but i'd love them to expand it because actually i think they did that well and did it properly you could get so many different branching paths so many different character interactions and different relationships building between the characters that actually you'd get that depth that i think that sometimes we we've missed in shenmue 3 a little bit just by giving the player those options to develop those relationships go off with those characters talk to those characters do activities with those characters and build on a, a very basic affinity system we could all link together really nicely yeah i like your idea there i mean this was quite a hard one to propose but i did want to mention this just because it kind of was a new system that shemfar comes and the residents speak differently to you because she's there so yeah Shem- um going to call you Shenfar then, Titch. <laughs> um, Titch, what, what were your thoughts on that kind of aspect? Yeah, I quite like that, to be honest. It was uh, different. 
Yeah, I don't really have um, any sort of negative feelings about the whole Shenhua following thing or being forced to spend time with her. Um, yeah. Because I think they had a good mix of, you know, spending time with her or, you know, <laughs> going around walking free. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I, a thing that I did like that I thought was quite realistic, to uh, to put it one way, is when you're walking around um, Niawu and then you might just pass Shenhua sat down somewhere <laughs> like on a bench. <laughs> and she waves at you. Yeah, I, I, I think I've seen her a few times at the uh, the Shenmue building, the Save Shenmue building. I think it was the uh, Kickstarter <laughs> mem- memorial building type thing. Don't think I'd, I'd been the whole Shenmar rapport thing. I do like Matt's idea of the whole you know, developing a, a more improved system, but it wouldn't sort of be a burning desire for the game, I suppose. Yeah. Okay, guys. So we'll keep it. We're not. We're not ready to bin Shenmue off at the moment. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Ah, good. And talking about Shenmue. Her new outfit, guys. Quite a controversial one at the time. I mean, it is controversial. I mean, is it just a little bit petty? But I'm again, I'm a sucker for continuity. So proposing this one to you guys, this would be obviously taken into Shenmue 4 now. Are you happy to stick with Shenmue's new outfit? Or shall we bin it off and try and get back her original outfit if possible? Oh, I didn't really have a strong opinion on that either, to be honest. Mm. I, di- I didn't really notice too much of a difference in her outfit. <laughs> Sorry if that's uh, offended anyone. But yeah, I do, thinking about it, prefer her original outfit, but it's not something I'm going to hold against them if you know they don't bring that back. So I'm happy either way, to be honest. So you're happy to keep it. Yeah. Ooh, can, I have the, can I have the anime one instead, which is a combination of the two? True. <laughs> I was going to say the new outfit is a combination of the original and the anime, in a sense. Uh, it depends which way you look at it. I I mean, if I'm having to nail my colour to the mast, I prefer her look in Shenmue 1 and 2. I know why they, they, they want to change her look up a bit, and that that's fair enough. But nailing colours to the mast, I would bin the new costume and I'd have her back in her, in her original outfit, personally. Ooh, okay, so I'm going to make the decision on this one then. I can see both sides of it. Again, continuity-wise, now it's happened in Shenmue 3. Is it going to feel weird mm, if suddenly true. she's not in it? But I do I do pref- much prefer her original outfit. And there's so many iconic pictures of her in that original outfit from back in the day. The concept art, you know, all the advertisements, the bloody soundtrack CDs have got her on in those costumes. And obviously for the first two games, you see her in them. So it's just it was such a sudden change to me. I know, like you said, Titch, you didn't really notice the change as much. But for me, it was like, it was so bizarre that at the end of Shenmue 2, she's in this outfit, and at the start of Shenmue 3, they're in the same exact location, exact same time, and she's wearing a different outfit. So for me, I would probably bin the new outfit on those terms, or... And I will throw a caveat in. I'm going to bin it, but I'll throw a caveat. I'm happy for it to be a, a choice in the settings. And I kind of wish the, the original outfit was a choice, uh, if I'm being honest. Yeah. We, I have got outfits a little bit later on Rio's side of things. But for, in terms of Chemfoir, I do think it would have been nice to, to have the option to switch between new and old. And I don't know if that would have took more time or effort or they would have had to remodel it. But in my opinion, they did make a new outfit for, for her anyway. They made that green version. So instead of making that green one, they could have just made her original outfit and uh, everyone would have been happy. 
I guess. So I'm going to put that under Bin, Shenfor's new outfit. Excellent. Can you sway me there? (laughs) (laughs) Next one, over-the-shoulder camera. Ooh, what do you think about this one, guys? <laughs> on this this one, the over-the-shoulder camera. So obviously in the first two Shemu games, the camera's directly behind Rio. And in the third, you've got the sort of Gears of War. It's, it's the new style of camera system, and it's pretty much in every game these days. Might be a difficult one to, to weigh up, but you're keeping it or binning it? Ooh, I think I'm going to keep it because I noticed the depth of the environment a lot more. As a result of it being over the shoulder and you know seeing the world more from the right, is it? This is the right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So in that aspect, I think it really showed off, you know, the level of detail in the game and the environments and things, and I felt more immersed in that sense. So yeah, I suppose I do have a preference then to uh, the third person (laughs) over the shoulder view as opposed to being right behind Rio. I guess that basically what you just said there is the reason why that's implemented so that you can see more in front of the character because he's not blocking your direct view in a sense. But I'll let let Matt speak first on this one. (laughs) Do you know, before Titch spoke, I was like, bin it off and bin it off now. But I see the point. I see what Titch is saying that actually is that you do get to see more of the world and he's not in the way. Um, I've played a lot of the Yakuza games, which has the old traditional Shenmue type camera, but that's quite free in that it moves around quite freely. So I found with Yakuza, you can still immerse yourself in it because you can sort of move the camera around as you see fit. Did you ever feel in the original games, the camera was an issue? Rio was in the way? No, not really. Not really. Not for me, at least, anyway. And I think I, after playing the original games, you just got used to the idea of where Rio was. And I didn't fi- didn't find that it took me out of the world, necessarily. So I, I, if I'm nailing Colors to the Mast, I, I would bin it off. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say that if it has to stay, why not just give people the option? Either or. Ooh, you're making this game a little bit too easy, guys. Are we going to keep it or bin it? <laughs> I will bin it. I will bin You're it. You're gonna off. bin it. Okay. Titch, no caveats. Are you keeping or binning? Oh, now then. <laughs> yeah, I do like the idea of having a choice because I've played other games where you do have that choice. And I suppose when you do want to focus in on the environment, you know, you, you can zoom in as first person Rio and look around and things. Mm. So, True. yeah. Oh, I'm not sure. I'm now sort of swaying to the other side, I think. <laughs> I'd rather have um, the option, I think. Okay, so is that a keep or a bin then? Oh, to make my life easier. <laughs> That's the thing. I want to make your life harder now. <laughs> oh, it's not too hard actually. If you if you keep it, okay. So yeah, you I'm keep it. Keep. Matt's binning. <laughs> I'm personally going to bin it because the classic camera mode that Lemon did for Shemu Three on the PC is what I use now. And it just feels right. So it would probably feel weird now if I played Shenmue 3 with the over-the-shoulder camera that's like default and isn't a mod in that sense. And obviously your first two games, again, 
I, I keep mentioning it, but continuity-wise, it's like, it wasn't too jarring. It's not like it's suddenly I'm starting mm. Shenmue 3 and it's like, oh, this is weird. Why is it over his shoulder? I probably didn't even notice. But when faced with the option, like if it was an option, but we're, we're, I'm going to make it so it's not an option. You either have over the shoulder or central. And the choice between the two cameras, especially now that I've actually played Shenmue 3 with the centralized camera, I think that is my preferred way of playing Shemu game. So I'm going to bin off the camera uh, in favor of a central camera. There we are. So by binning it, basically they go back to the drawing board and say, oh, let's implement the central one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if they are listening, give us an option, damn it. Give us an option, yeah. That would be the <laughs> the correct answer, but in this game, yeah, you've got to bin it. Um, next one, 9pm curfew. It's a little bit different. Obviously, you could stay up till 11 in the first game. I'm not sure, is it the same in Shemu 2 or maybe even later? But 9 o'clock seemed a bit early for me in Shemu 3. There was a lot of times where I was like, oh, I was just about to do something and I'm being sent back to the hotel or being sent back to Shemfar's house. But again, is that something that you're comfortable with? Was it okay? Does it not feel too intrusive on your playthrough titch? No, it's definitely a bin for me straight away. Yeah, I'm notice it, noticing it a lot more on this playthrough, having you know gone through playing Shenmue 1 and Shenmue 2 and then going to Shenmue 3. It's just so jarring to be like, oh, I want to do this with Rio now just before we go to bed. And then it's like, oh, no, no, time to go now. And it, it's, yeah, I, I don't like the new curfew, I'm afraid. I'm just working out in my head quickly the wake-up time and how much time you lose. So, so I think it is. So you wake up at seven. You wake up at seven in Shenmue three. You go to bed at nine. Yep. But in Shenmue one and two, you wake up around eight and go at eleven. So you lose an hour in gameplay in Shenmue three. It just feels different though, doesn't it? Because it, even though you're waking up a little bit earlier, you're going to bed a little bit earlier. And it's weighted. I mean, I think part of the reason they did it in Shenmue 3 is because they wanted you to go and talk to Shenfire in the evening, especially in Bailu Village when you've got that like two-hour slot. Yeah, so they're making her seem like she's a, a normal sleeper. <laughs> yeah, you're sort of talking to her there, and and it, it works in that regard. But I th- personally, I, I would bin it off. I would, um, I would bin it off and go back to the old system of getting up at eight and having till eleven o'clock, unless story purpose served that you had to get up earlier or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I would bin it off as well. Okay, so we'd probably revert back to the eleven o'clock thing, right? Yeah. One of the plus points I had for it was that Eni San's going to be happy and sleep that easy, <laughs> <laughs> knowing knowing that you're going to bed at nine. But I do agree with you both there. So we're going to bend the nine pm curfew as well. Shobu-chan's a bit of a fun one. Surely no one hates Shobu-chan's, right? So what's your opinion on that? Are we keeping Shobu-chan's in Shenmue 4 or are we going to bin them off for some reason? Oh, you've got to keep them. You've got to keep them. <laughs> Sorry, I'm straight in there. Sorry. No, you've got to keep them. They are addictive. They are fun. The Bailu-chan stuff with the DLC and Battle Rally was excellent. Tie them to some trophies and maybe like some in-game like rewards or something. And Bob's your uncle. Great fun, addictive. And they are nasty bastards to find as well. Some of them are really well hidden. Yeah, keep it all day. Keep it. Straightforward for you, Titch? Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely love them. I love doing the uh, Chobu-chan hunt. Yeah, same. I think that was a, a nice, easy one there. Ah, good. 
Right, we're moving into fighting aspects now of uh, Shenmue 3. So Ooh. the Rose Garden I'm going to start with. Do you like that kind of a fighting arena aspect where you can go to beat some people up, maybe earn a bit of money at the same sort of time? Just to add a little bit more information for this one for you guys to sort of debate a little bit. I've got four points as lots of fights with interesting characters, a nice way to earn money. But the against, which might not be that clear they sort of start at like weird set times so sometimes it can be difficult to get it to actually start i've been there a couple of times and the guy won't let me initiate any sort of fighting so i've had to sort of come back at a later time and also you've got that sort of huge no running tunnel to reach it depends if that's um, something that's really going to sway you one side or the other on the on the rose garden I, I do quite like the fighting arena aspect because i enjoyed it from shenmue 2 and how it was a big part of the story where you had to beat those four fighters to then you know progress and you know get get through i can't really remember much of the rose garden from shenmue 3 and i don't recall having any problems with it but in general terms i do like the fighting arena aspect it's something I do find myself taking part in, despite not being a lover of fighting mm. in the games in general, because I'm more driven towards the story. You know, the fact that they can hook me in to the fighting in that way is uh, it's, it's impressive. Mm. And you, what was the reward you got at the end, Matt, if you completed it? Was it like a move? I believe you got a move scroll. I'd have to double check that because I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure you got, got a move scroll out of it and... I enjoyed it, actually, Rose Garden. I'd absolutely keep the whole Rose Garden dojo type system where you can engage in fights when you want to and not mm-hmm. like be forced to beat everybody up down the street Yakuza style. I quite enjoyed it. I'd keep it. I think it's a good system. It feeds off the Shenmue 2 idea where you can obviously go and earn money by gambling and fighting varying different degrees of fighters in terms of their styles, which... I'd like in Shenmue 4 that maybe they brought some of that element back, but broadly speaking, keep it. Ah, good. Okay, and this might be an easy one then to incorporate into the next one, which is the fighting dance system I've got. So where Rio goes and sorts of try and get a, a higher sort of Dan, uh, can practice his moves with people as well, level up some of his moves, just sort of adds more combat to the game in a sense. The only sort of drawback I had with this one was that later fights feel a bit unwin- unwinnable unwinnable until you sort of train more. So there's sort of like a forced mm. training thing, which is going to be my next one, actually. But just to keep this sort of simple, I could throw this in with the Rose Garden because they're kind of two similar sort of things. Are we happy to keep the Dan Dojo aspect in as well? I would keep it. Is that the same for you, Titch? Yeah, I do quite like that aspect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like the ranking up, you beat someone and then you rank to the next one and... Yeah, I found that quite enjoyable, again, despite not being a lover of the fighting side of the game as much as the story. I I did think that was quite well done. Yeah, and considering it's like a a martial arts game, it's just giving you more martial arts to to do, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okie dokie, guys. So that was a nice, straightforward one. Ah, good. So next up, training then, Matt. So this includes horse stance, one-inch punch, and rooster steps. I can give you my... For and against, if that's going to help. Yeah, go for it. Conversation. Okay, so four, I've got it's a nice way to make it feel like Rio's becoming more prolific as a martial artist because obviously you're leveling up, he's getting stronger, he's getting more health, he's doing more damage. And yeah, that is the other one I put makes Rio stronger. But my against points are that it kind of feels a bit of a grind, like you're sort of forced into it. So if 
I don't know if, if you weren't too keen on these mini games. You, you're sort of forced to actually advance the story because you need to train. And there's like a an ongoing sort of story aspect where you lose a fight and you have to train to get stronger. And that is basically the reason why there is a leveling system in the game in the first place because of this training mechanic. So on those bases, would you want to bin it or keep it in it? Ooh, it's a toughie. It's a toughie, that one. I engaged with the training mini games because that's just the way I like to play it. And I quite enjoyed most of them. I did find probably Rooster Step a little bit tedious, if I'm if I'm being honest. I loved One Inch Punch. I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. But maybe they could... I don't know how they could necessarily do this, but like in Yakuza, for example, you don't have to train, but there are games out there that improve your stats. So maybe if they almost incorporated it like they did in terms of you could go and train one inch punch for example and it gives you a boost on yet on your attacking stats for a little while or gives you a long term you know longer term boost to, to your to your fighting ability something like that and maybe want more variety of them when you think of you've got one inch punch reach the step and horse stance i'd also like um for example in the first sort of cutscenes you hit to Bailu village there's that guy using that wooden dummy thing with all the all the um, arms coming out of it mm-hmm. i'd like to see something like that incorporated as well and and potentially some like qte proper qte training that then maybe links to something like that as well and not link it to you have to grind to progress the story because i think i can see that, that the issue with that but maybe that it allows you to enhance your abilities, unlock moves that you maybe couldn't buy before, couldn't access before, and enhances Rio's ability, which then allows him to access new tournaments, stronger tournaments, stronger opponents, those sorts of things. So you're not tying it to the story, but you're tying it to some of the side stuff that might be optional that you might want to engage with so that you have a base level of that side content which everybody can engage with. But if you go and train, you can fight these harder people who then give you more money. And then you you tie it that way and you make people want to train and sort of build that in a little bit and have maybe some training element to the story, but you don't, it's not wholly reliant on it. And it's actually more t- tied to side content and some stats progression rather than a barrier to you progressing, if that makes sense. Mm, I get what you're saying. I mean, what if we incorporated the le- like the leveling system? So the training basically is the leveling system in the game and... I mean, it's it's difficult because it's hard to sort of balance the game then, isn't it? So if, if you're saying you, you you were going to keep it and it's going to allow you to do side content where you fight stronger enemies, how is that going to make Rio when you get to the end boss? You know, some people are going to experience an easy fight, aren't they? Just because of this, the sort of leveling system that they implemented. I think they have to be very clever with the system that they use in in that maybe those those enemies in in the story sort of level up with you yeah. so you can literally not train but beat everybody and there's a suitable level of challenge around that but actually if you do train that they they level up with you so their attacks are stronger but also you're more skilled so then you negate all of that they have extra moves that they may not use if you were like a level one but you're like a level 10 they might use some different moves different patterns different strategies those sorts of things and so it's reflective of rio's ability at the time okay so i'm gonna Put a caveat on this then that this current system is the one that we're debating and you would bin the current system in favor of instead balancing the enemies to scale against rio rather than the enemies are strong from the get-go and rio is forced to train 
to beat yeah. them. You'd have it so that everyone is winnable to Rio at his current level, apart from perhaps some side characters that do require you to be more advanced. Exactly that. Okay. <laughs> that actually is a really well thought out system. Now that we, you know, you've made, you simplified it like that, Matt. Titch, I don't know if you can actually expand upon that at all. If um, <laughs> if we just go back to the the original idea of that, the system that's in Shemu Three, I'm going to say Matt's saying that he's going to bin it for this slightly improved yeah. system. Yeah, I like the sound of Matt's new system. <laughs> yeah, is it? I'm pretty sure when you start the game, you get a choice, don't you, of how difficult the game is, and I'm not sure. Yeah, that's true as well. Yeah, yeah you do get a I'm not sure mode. how that impacts it. In all honesty. Um, in terms of the horse stance and the um, one-inch punch, I do enjoy those as like a mini game. But yeah. I wouldn't want to be tied down and have to do them as a grind. I, f- I don't think you know I'd like it if it was forced upon me too much. But I, I suppose mm-hmm. we do have the option as well to you know do some actual fighting and sparring with the um, the people in the dojos. So I don't think I'd been it in all honesty. But I do like the idea of. Matt's new system because again <laughs> and I've mentioned it many times but as someone that prefers a story for someone who's more inclined in that sense it'd be nice to you know have it a bit <laughs> a bit too easy for those who you know just just want to enjoy the story as opposed to have to constantly fight and train you know despite it being a martial arts style game anyway I'm just <laughs> I just I'm just an anomaly I suppose no I, d- I do understand I, I get both sides there as as mini games I think the great actually horse stance one inch punts i had quite a lot of fun with rooster steps yeah like matt says not so much but i will now that you're both going opposite directions on that one in a sense i will put it under the bin list on the consensus of what i just said to matt is that we can improve it and i think what we're trying to do with this game is like point out perhaps some things that could be improved not necessarily completely removed and it was never a good idea to begin with i think the training aspect is a really good idea it just needs a little bit more work to perfect it and in light of that i'll put it on the bin list yeah (laughs) right guys next one is skill books so not sure if we're really going to bin off skill books in that sense, because obviously part of Rio's journey is picking up move scrolls and learning new skills. But in terms of Shemu 3's system of skill books, how you have to kind of trade herbs for skill books or trade stuff for skill books, and it's kind of implemented in that sort of economy system again, but it is a separate side. There's just a lot of them I found, and obviously they're all punches and kicks, quite expensive as well, I found. But what what are your thoughts on skill books and how they were implemented in Shemu Three? Yeah, I quite like how they did the skill books in Shemu Three because I feel like I used them a lot more in the game because it's the way they tied in with the fighting system, so I can actually see on the screen what I'm supposed to be pressing and what that achieves. So, as someone who's not much of a fighter, mm. I, I like how they did that. I get you. That's another good point that you can link it to the one of the triggers as as well. Yeah, so you can actually see on the screen. So you can actually, you know, train up the move that you're currently learning and you can see what you actually need to press to get that move because I know you can assign it to the the trigger um to make it, you know, just one one button press, which is also great for me. But I do like how they have tied it into the fighting. I feel like it's a bit more 
interactive makes them feel more part of the game for me because I felt like in the previous games I had to sort of go out my way to look at them and look at all the different moves and things and it meant that I didn't use them as much so in the sort of scope of Shenmue 3 yeah I'd I'd keep them yeah no that is a good point because obviously in Shenmue 1 you go to the um, antique shop buy a few move scrolls but then you physically have to look at them and then go into your move whatever Rio's all move scroll thing whatever it's called and like find that move that you've just learned and then look at the button combination and then try and pull it off whereas in Shenmue 3 you can select that as one of the moves that you want to actually utilize and it'll tell you how to do it with the training aspect training with the character sparring or whatever it is so i quite like that actually now that you mentioned that that sort of implementation because obviously you can train with focus on in the first game but you're just sort of left to your own devices whereas training in shenmue 3 or sparring rather it does give you the the combination that you can actually go out your way to try and remember and recall and perform and yeah matt what's your thoughts on that oh I wasn't keen of how difficult it was to get them mm-hmm. in terms of actual monetary cost. I think keeping skill books is imperative. I, I, I just probably been off this system of it personally. I found it was a little bit restrictive and I just, I thought that the Shenmue one and two system of it being a bit more optional and easier for you to get if you wanted to do it, it seemed a bit better so I, I would bin off the current system of it, but I wouldn't lose skill books themselves. Yeah, so it wasn't just me that found them expensive in Shenmue 3 then? To no, it, it was me as well. Okay. Titch, now that you've heard that, has anything changed your end, or do you still quite like the system? Yeah, I do, I do like the system, and I think it's one of those things that's integral to the game, so it's not something I'd want to easily just throw away. Okay, that's a tough decision then you've left me with because I do appreciate how it is in Shenmue 1 and 2, but I do... I think, and this this is going to come into the next one, so I'm going to keep it, actually, skill books on this particular system on the basis of the next point that we're going to go into. So let's see. If you keep the next one... I will stand by keeping skill books, but if we're going to bin the next thing, I'm going to go back and bin skill books. And the next thing is throw moves, okay? So obviously they weren't in Shemu 3, and that's what we're talking about here. So are you happy for them to stay out of Shemu 4, or is it something integral? Uh, which way around would you do this? Would this be a keep it in it or a bin it? You want to keep the current battle system as it is, or do you want to get rid? Or do you want to change it? I think it's the question, isn't it? But then again, all I'm asking for is just the same system, but with three moves. Right. Okay. So it's more of a question of do we want three moves back or not? In which yeah. case, mine is an imperative yes. It has for me. I know why. Like I, yeah. I completely yeah. understand the reasons why they didn't have the money. They were doing the the, the mocap in Wisenet's office, and they didn't want to break the equipment. I, I and I get that, and I understand that. But Rio is essentially studying jujitsu. It's a throw based martial art, um, and things like counter elbow assault, where you obviously pull the person in and then counter attack with the elbow. That's imperative. That that pull in like which is it's not a throw but it's it's a grab is imperative to that move looking as good as it did and and carrying the weight that it did so i think you have to get throw moves back uh, and that that's it if, if there's no other way around it and they can't do it fine i don't have a problem with the battle system it just needs polishing but 
throws are an absolute necessity for me if they can do it. Okay, then. And with that in mind, then, Matt, and this is probably what the, the better version of what I should have proposed to you. The current fighting system, so mm-hmm. everything else, the kicks, the punches, the way you dodge, you know, the, the fighting system, basically, in Shemu 3 is exactly the same, but you've now got throw moves in Shemu 4. Are you happy to keep that? Yeah. Okay. Titch? Yeah, I quite like the fight system in Shemu 3, and I did feel the major loss of not having the throw moves because I felt like they mm-hmm. bought me some time as a terrible fighter <laughs> to just, you know, get people on the ground more to give me a chance to heal a little bit and run away, etc. So, yeah, it, it was a bit of a gaping hole, I'd say, in Shemu 3 not having those throw moves. So, yeah, I would like them back. Okay, so we're going to keep that, guys, because you like the fighting system. Yep. And, uh, yeah, Matt, you were quite fond of the fighting system anyway in general, weren't you? It wasn't yeah. as bad as people made out. No, I. it took a while to click, but actually, and I've, I've, and I've spent a fair bit of time with it, I find it's good fun. And actually, you can string the combos together really nicely. And I think what sells it short is actually the tutorial doesn't really give you much. And of how to string these moves together and how things flow. Because like some of Rio's kicks, when he hits a right kick, if you then input another kick, he'll then use his left leg for it. And the combinations flow really nicely. And you can make all the moves like link together really well. But it doesn't give you enough of a helping hand to get around that initially. And if it did, I think it'd probably get a little bit more respect. And the dodging system's really good. You can't just go and batter somebody because that's not the way it's going to work. You're going to get done in. So you actually have to think about how you attack and wait for openings and and dodge and then attack and counterattack. It's got a basis of a very good system in there. It just, it just needed more time. Okay, guys. Well, that's a good one then. So we're going to keep that. Ah, good. Ah, good. And we're going to move on. And this is going to be a bit of a controversial one. Titch, I'm curious, money barriers. So obviously we've had them previously, so it's not like it's a new thing for Shemu 3. We've had, obviously, Rio needs money to get a boat ticket, whatever. He needs money to pay Ren. You need money to start the first street fight if you've not got enough money in Kowloon in Shemu 2. Plus point, I suppose, that we've had them in the past, so it's not really a, a Shemu 3 fault. Another plus point, it encourages players to interact with the jobs and the mini games to try and earn more money. Perhaps some people would plough through the story and it just sort of forces them to take a step back and earn a bit of money. But my negatives on this are it can be an unexpected kick in the teeth. Say you've just bought a bloody jacket or something and then all of a sudden you need 500 yuan for a, a move scroll in the Awu and it's going to take you a few hours to get that much money. And obviously there is two huge ones in Shenmue 3 that kind of feels like kind of purposely force the length of the game i've seen that comment thrown around Mm. quite a lot so on the basis of what i've just suggested to you if there was to be money barriers in a future shemu game would that be okay with you or do you want to just sack it off now while you've got the chance (laughs) i'd be okay with it as long as it wasn't something that felt unattainable or felt like it would take too long to achieve so I'm for like a reasonable, substantial sum. How do you feel about the ones in Shenmue 3? I think the first time I played through, I wasn't aware that I could, sorry, cheat <laughs> to, to get past those barriers. So it did take me a lot longer the first playthrough to actually get past them. The second time I wasn't so bad knowing that I could, you know, quickly get past them. So... This time round, didn't, it didn't feel like it had too much of an impact on my gameplay. But I suppose 
<laughs> yeah, I'm. Oh, I'm on the fence again. <laughs> yeah, I do feel they can be a pain if they are too high, but then it's it does add some sort of realism to the game, I suppose. So, mm. oh, I'm wondering which side I'm airing more towards. Probably bin, if I had to. Okay, I'd bin them. Straight bin up bin them. I think they're a little bit archaic in games these days. You don't have too many money barriers. And despite being able to earn money fairly easily in Shenmue 3, I just, like you say, James, I think it was almost a way to artificially extend the game a little bit. And I don't think a future Shenmue game needs them or benefits from them, so I just bin it off. Yeah, and I felt like the ones in the first two games weren't as obvious, whereas the ones in Shenmue 3 was like, oh my God, I've got to do that right now kind of thing. Like It was like a, a big amount of money all of a sudden to have to deal with. So, whereas the previous meet, maybe Shemu 2, a little bit, that Ren 1 could yeah. feel a bit like that. Um, that's probably the only one I'd compare it to. But, yeah, fair enough, guys. We're going to bend that one. <laughs> side quests are next, which I don't know how you guys feel about the side quests. They can be considered quite enjoyable, but hear me out guys this is what i've put for four and against so side quests you've got plenty of variety i think there's 10 in bailu 15 in yawu all with different characters it's quite it's quite fun to help out and f- actually flesh out some of these underutilized characters and npcs but then again did you feel like they were a bit more natural in the the first two shemu games like you just stumble across a side quest like the fang May's birthday or something whereas in this game it's you know your windows of opportunity aren't very obvious and it's kind of like when you come across a character that's got a side quest it's kind of like in your face and you know these like they've got something for you big exclamation mark over the red so i don't know how that feels in terms of like immersion immersion sorry (laughs) immersion eater immersion you know what i mean if i don't know if i've explained that yeah, wow. you have. I think they were a little bit more natural in the first two games. They were, and although it's difficult because they were missable in the first two games for, for a different reason to, to Shenmue 3 and they're missable because they're almost time bound. I guess they were time bound in Shenmue 1 and 2 to even. Yeah, when I, when I was writing that, was I felt like they're kind of the same in the first two games. So I suppose not too much as dissimilar. It's just the fact that they feel like side quests in this game, whereas in the first one, it just felt like it was just part of the world. I, I, I'd keep side quests, absolutely. Yep. I just think they need to be integrated better into the world, personally, but I'd keep them. And you're happy with this sort of system that we've got from Shenmue 3? I don't think it's too dissimilar to mm-hmm. some of the Yakuza ones where people grab you as you walk past them or, or they say, go here for a side yep. quest and that's what you do and it's modern gaming um i can take it i would rather have a shenmue one system but i wouldn't bin off what's in shenmue three necessarily yeah because there's quite a lot of side quests that i probably haven't done from the older games because i just missed them because i find with shenmue the window of opportunity for some of the side quests are so narrow and there have to be so many prerequisites for them to happen that there's so much i've probably missed as a result of that mm. so part of me does like the in your face you know, hello, side quest time. But I don't, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just that window of opportunity to get a chance to do them that peeves me. Because if I didn't know that, if I didn't do it there and then, that would be it then for that playthrough. I'd have to, you know, go back and do it all over again if I wanted to see that. Mm. And there is a couple, like, I think, like, the little boy gives you 
go get me this capsule toy mm. and you can play the begin you can be playing the game do a bit of the story still get the capsule toy and take it back to him but it was too late because that window of opportunity was earlier in the story and the game didn't really make that clear and i suppose again that could be the same for Shemu one you, you go back to a character and they're not there anymore I'm thinking about the old lady at the start of the game, Kami-san, where she'd ask you to find the Yamamoto's. If you don't find it within that couple of hours, she's not even in the park, say, the next day. So I suppose Shemu 3 is a little bit more or, or less restricted on the time. It's just, it's all linked to story progression. I suppose that's always been the case with Shemu. It's just, I guess, I'm just talking about the in-your-face aspect of Shemu 3's side quests. Yeah, which I get. You both sound like you're happy, you don't mind. It's no, not I, really I, a deal breaker. Not for me, no. Okay, so we'll keep them. A simplish one. Ah, good. Um, this is a funny one, actually, that I, 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 I thought about. So I've put it down as twin related characters. So obviously, in Shemu <laughs> 1, you've got Wang and you meet his brother in Shemu 2. Yeah. In Shemu 2, you've got Dalin. And in Shemu 3, you meet his brother, Dejing. Okay, I quite like it, to be honest. I quite like that there's a bit of an inside joke there, a bit of an ongoing one. It's a little bit of a comedic effect. But I could also see that there's maybe a negative if they did it again for Shemu 4. Is it a bit unbelievable that Rio just keeps bumping into the brothers and sisters of characters that he's already <laughs> uh, you know, come across? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, my thoughts are the same about it being a bit sort of unbelievable and a bit too good to be true <laughs> in in some of the encounters. I mean, mm. if they make sense to the story, if, you know, the chance of bumping into this said person is, you know, increased because Rio's in a certain area or a certain communication or link that he's got, then, yeah, it's sort of, it's more passable. But when it's just, you know, completely random and the chances of that encounter happening, you know, are just <laughs> a bit too out there, then... Yeah, it sort of takes away from mm. you know, the immersion, I suppose. It's quite hilarious. The first time I came across Dejing, and it was like, I'm, you know, it's. I think Rio first clocks him as Dalin, doesn't he? And he says, "Oh no, that's my brother." And it's, it's like you kind of realise there's that thing going on with the the Wang. What the first time you discovered Wang was in the Antin apartments, and it's, I don't know. Well, Matt, what what's your thought on that? Do you, do you like that? Do you think if you, you, you had a Shemu 4, would you try and incorporate someone's brother or sister, maybe Shilling or something, or maybe someone that was a little bit more... <laughs> I'd do it. Do you know, I'd do it because I find it's just a nice little... Th- I mean, Daejin was probably a little bit obvious, I guess, in that, yeah. oh, that's Daylin's brother, whereas actually it would be a bit better if it was a bit more subtly done, like in Shemu 2. That you, it's like a little Easter egg that you might find. Yeah. Um, I'm all for it if they do it that way. I suppose you could even like bring in Joy and her knowing Master Chen and Guizang. Yeah, is, is that you know it's a little bit of a big coincidence at the same sort of time, isn't it? and but it kind of works because that was a subtle one that's like kind of more deep in the lore. Mm. So is that the sort of thing you're thinking of? Maybe like a something for a Shemu fan to discover rather than yeah. you wander into a room and yeah it's a thought it's a sort of thing that a Shemu fan would go and find and and really dig but a, a more casual player wouldn't ever come across it and that's fine and that's a nice balance so you're keeping yeah that sort of I'm uh, keeping it yeah. yeah as long as it's not too overt <laughs> yeah i like subtleties okay we'll keep that one that was a, f- a fun one ah good Okay, here's a bit of a controversial one, guys. The reusing of music. So, 
<laughs> I've put some points here. Let me get this going. So music is great anyways. I've put it as a four point. So, you know, every song they've made has been brilliant. So it's not like it's an issue that they reuse it. And it also saves money in the budget. However, and this is kind of what we, we do face in Shemi 3, some pieces kind of feel a bit out of place, perhaps not the best track picked in the right location. And also they're playing some iconic pieces that we remember from the first two games in those sort of strange locations, or maybe it's just more obviously out of place because you, you recognise the music. So in terms of Shemu 4, are we happy to keep reusing music like that if um you know it helps save them saves them money or would you rather them try and make a little bit of space in that budget to 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 come up with some new music to make it feel like shemu 4 has got its own soundtrack do you know what the question is as well as how much they haven't used already and what's yeah. what's left because they might be able to make a soundtrack out of what's left and, and and put something together that way the difficulty is I think with reusing tracks, whether they're old ones that we haven't heard yet or ones that we have heard yet, is are they going to fit what they're trying to do? Because the other, the music in Shemi One and Two was written for those scenes. It was written for those for that for that story beat or whatever it is. So I think they carried more weight because of what they were and where they were. Ideally speaking, I wouldn't want to reuse music. I would like, if the budget allowed, new music, new purpose written music for Shemi Four. So for the benefit of the question, I would bin off reusing music. Okay. And obviously the only ones you're happy to, to, to keep would be like the main theme. Yeah, the, the iconic stuff that we all, we all yeah. know, the main theme, and, and there's a couple of others that I'm sure would stand out, like the Shemfar's poem, etc. They mm. they would have to stay, but broadly speaking, I would want a new soundtrack. Yeah, you wouldn't want to go into Lu Yuang Temple and the darts music playing again. Mm. Oh, God, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> Titch, what's your thoughts on them reusing music? Yeah, same as Matt. I like, and I would sort of slightly off topic, but with the anime, there was a lot of like remix type versions of you know, the theme and other songs. So I felt like mm-hmm. that was good. I did quite like that. It's sort of familiar but different at the same time. Yeah, so they can keep the the same sort of tone of a Shenmue piece of music, and you know they don't have to go off and recreate a whole new piece. They can use something they've got and just like remix, change it slightly. Yeah, remix it like say. So, yeah, but. Yeah. Well, but like Matt said, um, going into an area and then hearing a song that you know, uh, like strongly from an area that's in like Shamu One and Two, mm. just doesn't feel right. So, for instance, um, in my playthrough of Shamu Three, and I walk into like a fruit market and I can hear the Fang Mei song, it, yeah. it's just so weird. So yeah, I feel more towards you know the idea of having new music, but I wouldn't mind like the theme tune. Or like Shenhua's theme, sort of remixed. Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. So we're going to Ben reusing music, barring obviously the main themes of the characters or whatever that he would expect in the game. Yes. <laughs> right, next up, guys. Did mention it a little bit earlier, but outfits. So obviously there are some quite you know quite great outfits in the game. You've got those Sukajan type jackets that Rio can buy from the shops or win from the like the fishing tournament, etc. You've also got a big one is the green canopy thing, the, mm. the big training gi martial arts jacket that you, you saw in the original concept art. 
Rio in his green gi stuff, which is really cool to see. Yeah, a lot of customization options. You know, I mentioned it earlier, even Shenfor gets a little green costume <laughs> at one point. I don't know if you want to kick off some thoughts or I can tell you my negatives. Um, Go for it. Tell us, give us your shouts on it. Okay, so I didn't like that there's no context behind that green Kenopi. Yeah. Or Ken, Ken, Kenpogi, I think it's called, actually. Because obviously they seemed like they made it a big deal in terms mm. of the old concept art. It's on a lot of those chapter tiles, and then suddenly, all of a sudden, it's just a costume you buy and you wear it, and that's it. You know, I, I feel like there should have been a reason behind wearing it. And also, you've got some fourth wall breaking items of clothing, like t shirts that say Shemu 3 on. <laughs> a picture of the hotel and the Awu lady or something, which is, you know, it's, <laughs> it's cool, but it is a bit fourth wall, wall breaking. And the major one for me is it kind of replaces Rio's iconic jacket, which I've, I did find very difficult, at least on my first playthrough, to want to change clothes because I feel like Rio is his leather jacket, his brown leather jacket, his white T-shirt, his blue jeans, his trainers. And I've, I had a hard time actually wanting to play around with the, the outfits. It was only like a second playthrough that I, I kind of bought into that system. So we'll start with you on this one, Titch. Do um, you have any strong opinions or criticisms on the outfits in Shemu 3? No, I quite like how they did it because you've got the choice if, you know, you like customising your character, but then <laughs> you'll have people that, you know, want to stay true to Rio and have his jacket on with a tiger on the back. So, yeah, I like how they did it. Mm, and that is an yeah, option. Yeah, as an option, I'm happy with how things stand, so I don't really have a strong view in all honesty. Okay. But I did, yeah, uh, though I did find myself changing outfits, so I think we got a couple with like the Kickstarter edition. So I felt, well, <laughs> you know, because I made a point of getting the Kickstarter, it made me more inclined to put the Kickstarter outfit on. But it's it's not a deal breaker for me, I'd say. Keep them. Yeah, keep them. <laughs> but it's, it's not okay. the be all and end all. I'd keep them, actually. I think, they like Titchy said, they offer a nice customization option bit of fun maybe get rid of the fourth wall breaking ones a tiny bit because they were probably a little bit overdone um mm. and i'd love some story outfits that are tied to the story mm. i'd love that but broadly speaking yeah absolutely keep them yeah okay guys yeah i agree with that yeah basically that green outfit i just think it would have been much better if maybe it was forced on rio but because Grandmaster Son, whatever his name was, <laughs> yeah, told you to wear it, and that was like the reason why Rio's seen in it in the original concept art and all that sort of stuff. And it wasn't just like a win it on a big wheel and wear it <laughs> type of outfit. Yeah. Okay, so we'll keep that. We won't put that into room one hundred one. Ah, good. Last few now, guys. So herb, herb picking, all that sort of stuff. I don't know if there's any negatives, unless someone can see a negative to picking herbs in Shemu Three. Did did you like the system? Did you not like the system? Some people found it quite tricky to find them. Um, okay. And at, uh, in the day, it was harder to find them. It was at night. I found the, the red circle for them when you were walking past popped up better at night. Um, I'd keep yeah. it, though. I quite enjoyed it. I found it quite therapeutic. I'd do it again quite happily. And it was quite linked quite nicely to getting money quite quickly. That was a quick way to earn money. And I think they should carry it through with, with Shenmue 4 and and, and have that straight money earning option so i yeah i'll keep it yeah got <laughs> nothing else to add i was probably going to say exactly the same thing as matt i like the uh you know, the therapeutic aspect and 
I get to really hone in on the details of the game and, and things as uh, I go looking for him. So, yeah, nothing new. Yeah, I quite liked it as well. I think, like you say, it's made more sense in Bailu than the Awu, but as a system, I quite enjoyed picking herbs and, yeah, it's a good way of earning money as well if you don't want to do gambling, so it's a bit more option and variety there. Ah, good. Next one, phone conversations. Do we want to see these again? Obviously, these were kind of implemented for Shenmue 3 as, I guess, fans wanted to speak to old characters or see certain old characters again, and this was like a way of sort of giving those those people what they wanted. Obviously, you did have the extra international phone card as part of the Kickstarter, which obviously it's a shame that people, perhaps newcomers to the series or people that invest in, into the, the series and the law now won't be able to get those conversations because they are kind of locked to the Kickstarter backers. I mean, that was a, a nice sort of thing for Kickstarter backers at the time, but in 2023, having that someone picks up Shemo 3, they can't experience those phone conversations, of which we discovered the other day in your stream, Titch, some of them are quite, quite law-heavy, actually, which, you know, they're, they're really well executed, I thought, the, the, the telephone conversations. Another negative, possibly... The fact that they've had to change a few of the voice actors, so like your Nozomi doesn't really sound like Nozomi. Joy, I found to be quite strange, even though it was Liesl Wilkerson voicing it. I found like that that particular conversation, she was a little bit too aggressive <laughs> towards Rio. But yeah, other than that, has anyone got any other pin, opinions on the phone conversations? Is it something that you kind of want to continue into a show before Rio to being able to pick up a phone and dial Goro, for instance? I'd do it. I'd like the option of it. I thought, like, like you say, they add a bit of law. Obviously, it keeps Rio in touch with home and, and the people that are worried about him. If it's done right and done in a way that expands some characterization of the of the previous characters and give, shows a bit of Rio's personality, it obviously goes through his journey. Um, I'm all for it. I, I, it's an it's an optional thing anyway in Shenmue Three. Um, so yep. why not do it in Four the exact same way and just maybe expand upon it. Keep it. Mm-hmm. Titch, did you enjoy the phone conversations? Yeah, I did. But I did find it jarring with having different voice actors. But yeah, I suppose it's availability, isn't it? And things like that. So that's something you can't really control. But I like, I did like the aspect of it. But I think personally, I would like to see some of those characters again instead. But I'll take it as mm. you know, <laughs> an all else fails option. Did you find it weird that Rio suddenly had the phone numbers of characters that he never asked for the phone number of? Or? Oh, I never noticed that, but I can't see that now. So, yeah, it's general consensus. We're going to keep phone conversations. Yeah. We'd like to see them again in Shenmue yeah. 4. Yeah? Yeah. Ah, good. Okay, so touching on a little bit of the fan service with that aspect of the telephone conversations, how do you feel in general about the fan service that was in Shenmue 3? Obviously, we had the Save Shenmue building guest books, pictures of people on lucky hit boards, fishing rods named after people, Joe Kitchen wandering around. Is that something <laughs> you want to see again in a Shemu 4? Or would you be quite happy to bend that now? That, that was a Shemu 3 thing and a Shemu 3 only sort of thing. Yeah, I'm happy to let that one die, I think. <laughs> yeah, because you know, if, if we have to go through all that again for Shemu 4 and then you know, have all those sorts of places in the game again, I don't know, it'll feel a bit too distracting from the game I suppose I did like it though like having those you know trying to find your name in the book and all that sort of thing and yeah I, I did like that once but I think now I'd rather take things a bit more seriously I, I wouldn't mind the mm-hmm. idea of like names and credits and things but 
yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I did appreciate the nods to the fans that were in there, but I'd be happy to just leave it there and then just you know carry on with a normal game series. I think it's amazing for like the people that who are featured trying to discover the name or the picture or whatever. That's really cool. But then again, it is really quite fourth wall breaking again, isn't it? It's like Rio stumbling across, you know, Adam Korolik as a little figure. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, what are your thoughts on fan service? If would you like to see it again in Shenmue Four or not? No, is the honest no. answer. I think because Shenmue Three obviously went through the Kickstarter, they had to do something to get get money, and I get it, and it's fine. Um, yeah. And I thought for the most part it was done quite well in Shenmue 3, apart from the odd lucky hit board having random people's faces on it. I think most of it was confined to the like, safe Shenmue building or some of the mm-hmm. shrines that you could optionally go and look at. But Shenmue 4 should hopefully be funded through traditional routes rather than a Kickstarter, and therefore it doesn't need it. They really wanted to acknowledge the fans. I'm sure they could put something from the community groups in the credits if they wanted to and do something that way but it doesn't need the the amount of fans fan uh service type things that were were in shimmy three okay fair enough guys so we've been in fan service for the the future of the series that's fair enough <laughs> and the last one i mean there may be more features and stuff that I, I didn't think of in this list and I'm happy to take on some more guys but I feel like we're pretty thorough with everything we've gone through here but the last one is the DLC itself so is there any DLC that you really really enjoyed and that kind of convinces you that Chemu 4 should have DLC I don't really know what the question is here is whether or not Chemu 4 is a complete game and any DLC would feel like it was already in mm. or do you like the idea that they could end up working on some extra content i, I mean I'm, I'm thinking of some of the good stuff from the dlc personally for me was like the bailu hunt yeah the battle rally stuff was amazing because that was like a whole different sort of gameplay aspect perhaps not so much the boat and the chawan sign stuff wasn't as good well i was thinking like the zang stuff the chawan sign dlc is that canon because a lot of people didn't play it, but is it still canon? Wow. It was blatantly uh, something they shoehorned off yeah, for for DLC. I think it was originally part of Niawu anyway, and they just shoehorned Mm. it off. But it depends. I think DLC is is an unfortunate evil in gaming these days. I don't think you ever get a game that's complete these days, quite frankly. It depends what they did with it. I think DLC is here to stay, and I'm, I'm keeping it on the basis. I don't think we've really got a choice. But I'd rather the story content, the main story content, it, it is complete. I'm not against having some new side content, maybe some side playable character content, for example. When you think of Lost Judgment and Judgment, you can play as Kaito-san, for example. That's a big piece of DLC, so you do some stuff yeah. with him. But it's it's linked to the main story, but it doesn't matter if you don't play it. That's the sort of thing I could see working well in a Shenmue 4. The Battle Rally thing was a, a genius DLC for me really enjoyed that that was worth every penny the story one I was fine 
the boat stuff I thought was the worst one by a country mile and quite frankly <laughs> I didn't see the point and it's a bit of an eyesore once you've downloaded yeah, it yeah it, 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 it is a bit and actually it's I don't, yeah. is that toggable can you toggle it off you can on you can on steam I think you can uninstall right. it but I don't know about okay. epic so much and obviously not everyone gets to experience that DLC you know like you mm. say the if the Yuan Zhu Zhang stuff was part of the story originally and then it's stripped out for DLC, probably more people than not that didn't experience that, right? So is that mm. is that a negative? Is that something that... I know you're trying to say that DLC is here to stay, but thinking of Shenmue 4, if it had the option, and then again at the same sort of time, it could be an, an extra little income earner. It's a difficult one, which is why I've proposed it to you guys. Matt, were you binning DLC or keeping it? I think Keep, you were keeping it, keeping right? Keeping it. Okay, Titch. Yeah, it's, it feels like a, a necessary evil DLC nowadays, doesn't it? Mm. I mean, I'd rather not, and, you know, rather have a complete game like we used to in the past. But, yeah, as long as it didn't sort of affect story canon too much or it was, you know, just a side thing and it was a money spinner, then, yeah, I'm okay with that. If You know, if it meant... We got Shenmue 5 and Shenmue 6, of course. I'd do sure. anything at that point. But, yeah, I, I don't like DLC in general. I'm quite old school, but it's just how things are, I suppose. Yeah, fair dues. I agree with that, actually. It's I'd probably rather a complete game if there is such a thing as a complete game. But if DLC is a, a bonus, like they have got a bit of extra time, extra spare months after the game's released and they want to make some more, then I'm quite happy for that as long as it isn't story content that is canon, that if you miss it, you know, you're missing out on that aspect of the game. Like there'll probably be a lot of people going into Shenmue 4 that didn't realise Zhang returned. And <laughs> I don't know if that's a massive spoiler either, but there, there you go, I suppose. some Something to think about. So I'm going to put that on the keep list. Ah, good. And basically then, guys, if we come to the end of that, which I thought was quite an interesting, actually, it was a, a nice way of getting some sort of debate going around some of the features for Shenmue 3. I think it was quite ended up being quite fun and a good discussion. But on that basis, guys, for Shenmue 4, of the things we want to keep in a Shenmue 4, following on from Shenmue 3, we want to keep food and drink, Corey Marshall, Shenfar's house, or, you know, changes like that, as we're happy with, affinity system, wood chopping, mechanical and arcade games, gambling games, fortune tellers, fishing, Shemfar following Rio, interacting like that. Chobuchans, Rose Garden, Dan Ranking, Skiller Books, Fight Systems but with Throws, <laughs> Side Quests, Twin Related Characters, again, we're quite happy to have an extra one of them. Outfits, Herbs, Phone Conversations, and yeah, we're quite happy to have DLC again if it needs to be there. But the things we're sacking off, we're binning. Stamina System. Sorry, Brianna and Greg, we're getting rid of both of you. Baisha, Forklifting, Lucky Hit, Smart Ball, Pale Toss, Tokens and the Economy System as a whole, Shenfar's new outfit, Over the Shoulder Camera, a 9pm curfew, Training, The Money Barriers, Reusing of Music and Straight Up Fan Service. We don't want any more if possible. Quite saddened actually by Baisha. <laughs> <laughs> being in the bin list but to, it's a necessary evil i guess so yeah thanks for that guys i think that was a, a really interesting conversation and fun little game that we played there so we're going to move on into the very last part of the show now we're going to break up with a little piece of music this is my pick 
which is Millions Saved. Welcome back. That was Million Saved from Shemu 3 OST. And right now we've got a little Shemu 3 quiz, which Terry has kindly created for us. It's becoming a bit of a theme of season three of the series here. We're going to have a, a quiz from Terry, depending on what sort of topic we're covering. And he's chosen to do Shemu 3 questions, of course. And I've got to say, guys, fucking evil is all how <laughs> I've, I've never seen, honestly, a worse well, a hard quiz in my life. So I don't know how many you're going to score on here. So, guys, <laughs> um, so Terry's he's created a, a Shemu 3 expert quiz, and it's split into two parts. Your first part is the expert of Bailu Village, and your second part is an expert of Niawu. Oh, God. Each part's got 10 questions. You can work together. You can discuss between yourselves. I'm going to read out the question. And the four possible answers, and that sounds a bit like who wants to be a millionaire, but yeah, I think there is four answers for each question. So if you're both ready, guys, let's get into the quiz. Let's do it. Go on then. <laughs> so this is part one, expert of Bailu Village. Question one. The price of a steam bun from Panda Dim Sum is two, two yuan, and can increase HP by 30. The price of a grilled pork bun is four yuan, and can increase HP by 90. The question is, how much HP can a dish of fried dumpling restore? Is it 150 health, 180 health, 210 health, or 250 health? It's not that high. Definitely not that high. <laughs> 150. So I don't know if he's trying to throw us off with the first two bits. So, um, Teach, unless you've got any... Steam Bun's 30. 
Steam bun's 30, grilled pork bun is 90. So how much do you reckon fried dumplings is? 150, 180, 210 or 250? I'm torn between 150 and 180. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm veering towards the same. I'm trying to think of the price difference between them as well. Go Do you think one. he's done a pattern there? He's like, gone 30 to 90 to... Possibly, I'm just trying to think. <laughs> I'd I'd go 150. I'll, I'll, I'll go different <laughs> and just go for 180. You'd go different? Yeah, because we were torn, weren't we, so... At least one of us will get it right, right okay. <laughs> or wrong. Let me let me open two instances of this quiz then, and we'll do. If it let me, yeah, we'll do two lots. So Matt's gone one fifty, and Titch has gone one eighty. Because we are going to get a lot of questions, I think, where you probably won't agree. Mm, that's fair. But you can work together and discuss still. Question two: In Shenfu's house, there's a Chinese character Fu, and it means good fortune, good luck and good wealth. Why is it placed upside down though? I'm going to share your picture of what it looks like just so you've got a bit of context to that. And obviously you can put this on the uh, the YouTube counterpart map. So do you think it's because Shenfoi accidentally placed the character upside down and didn't realise? The character is not actually upside down, it just appears that way due to an optical illusion. It actually represents bad fortune, bad luck and poverty. Or it means good fortune, good luck, and wealth arriving at the home by having it upside down. Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> I don't know why I've heard about this before. I'll, I'll copy the answers in as well, just so you can have a little think. I'm going optical illusion. I'm going to go D, because for some reason I've heard of this before. For some reason. D as in means good fortune, good luck, and wealth, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Let's see who gets that right. Okay, question three. Which Virtua Fighter character is shown in this poster? So again, you're going to have to look at your chat here, guys. Is it Pai-chan, Akira, Lao-chan, or Shundi? Not a clue. <laughs> oh, bugger. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I'm just going to go for Akira. Akira? Okay. I'm going pie. Pie on that one? Yeah. Okay, question four. There's only one winning space in this lucky hit, but where is it located? Is it point A, point B, point C, or point D on that image? Oh. Hang on, I'm going to enlarge the board and work this out. <laughs> Hopefully you can't see the no, remnants of a little bit of red. It's point B for me. Yeah, I was going to say B as well. Okay, that's fine. You can both have the same one. And then we've got for question five, another lucky hit board. Where do you reckon the one X is on that one? Or the winning space, rather? A. A. Titch? <laughs> I'm going to go for B. Again, another guess. <laughs> Tricky, isn't it? Yeah. It's very. I wouldn't know any of these myself. <laughs> Kudos to Terry for making such a hard quiz. I know, and it only gets harder, to be honest. So, in the following five questions, please answer which character in Bailu Village wrote the Ema message in Manuan Temple. So, we've got five different messages here. I'm going to give you four character options. So, the first message is, will this village survive with just old folks, women and children? Who do you think said that? Is it? And honestly, guys, I don't even know who these characters are. 
but uh, if you can remember the quote, you, you're doing well as a Shemu fan there. So your four characters are Hugh Shulan, or Shuilan, Lei Yanan, Zhu Wenjing, or Yang Shen. I'm going Wenjing just because I haven't got a clue and it just sounds right. <laughs> yeah, going to do the same sort of approach, just pick another one. Um, Hu Shui Lan? The first okay, one. Okay, top one. Yeah. Okay. Who wrote the email message, I wish for a cute little brother? So this might help if you know who these kid names are. Is it Lin Zhao, Lei Chun Hai, Wang Mei Ling, or Ye Zijun? I'm just going to go for Wang Mei Ling. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to go with Lin Zhu. Lin, do you reckon that's the little girl, Rin, or whatever? Lin. Lin, because Lin's the little girl who's drawing the. Um, drawing in the floor. The floor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Could anyway. make sense, I suppose. I pray no disasters befall the village. Who do you think wrote that one? Is it Chen Yuxing, Shi Yu Ye, Kong Mei, or Su Wenshu? Kong Mei is the old lady, I think, right? The grandma. Yeah, Kong Mei is the one who owns the shop with the Kung Fu movie. Yeah, history. Kong Mei, Kong Mei goods or whatever. Sue, is that that master Sue with the pipe or not? Yeah. Okay. I don't know the other two, if I'm being honest. I will go Sue just because. <laughs> I'm going to go for Shi Yu Yu Yeah. I assume that's Elder, yeah? <laughs> I think you're probably right. Oh, it could be, yeah. That's yeah. good. I didn't think of that. I'm not sure it ever tells you her name, right? like a, f a full name apart from Grandma, yeah, whatever, right? Elder, yeah, sorry. Mm. I think it's yeah. Grandma in the, old, in the anime. Um, Next one. I don't need a pathetic man. Find me one I can follow to the ends of the earth. Does that sound familiar to anyone? I will give you a little clue. Maybe. I, I don't know. It might be the wrong answer, but I feel like the person that would said, say that is that woman, the martial artist in blue, if that's any of those. Because she's, if you remember, there's that little side quest with the man, oh, and she yeah. wants a strong man, right? Yeah, I do. I remember that quest. I can't think of her name. Uh, I'm going to go Mao Yufeng. Yufeng. Yeah, I'm going to go for that one. It's okay. the most familiar. Sounding. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree on that one. And the last quote of the email messages is, Oh dear, there are no good fighters coming out of Byloom. Who do you think wrote that one? I don't even know if I've read out the names for the last question, actually. Uh, you didn't, it doesn't matter. I don't, <laughs> I don't think it helps the listeners, perhaps. I'll, I'll read them out for this one. So you've got Su Zixiong. Zixiong. Yeah. I really, I wish I knew how to pronounce these Chinese ones. People are going to laugh at me, I'm, I swear, for trying to pronounce these. Uh, Huang Hu. Feng Cheng Shu, Sun Jishi, Jishi, Jishi. And are they, again, that's a different Sue. Is it the same Sue? I don't know. Different no, Sue. Different Sue. Smoking Sue. I'm Is gonna... Sun Grandmaster Sun? Is Feng Grandmaster Feng, perhaps? Yes, yeah, they are. They are, absolutely. Yeah. So there is th at least three people there that are like Masters of Martial Arts then. I'm going to go Huang so Hu, really just because it's the odd one out. Is he the one that owns the Marshall Hall? I'm not sure he might be. 
but I can't remember. Are you going for Titch? I'm going to go for, for, I think it might be Grandmaster Feng. Okay. I quite like, actually, I, I did say you could both work together and then you're both picking different dances, which is <laughs> <laughs> quite funny. This is a good one. I'm going to show you the picture of this one. So we're into the Niawu side of the quiz. We've got 10 questions here. So which room... And this is Joe Kitchen, but obviously his, a name, his name in the game is uh, USC, USC yeah. something. Yeah. So which room does he stay in in Hotel Niawu? Is it room 101, which would be quite fitting for this podcast? Is it room 102, room 204, or room 205? Oh. I will help, actually. I do feel like it's a first floor room, He's because on... I think I said to you, Titch, if you go... You can see him through the window. He's on the ground floor. He's 100% on the ground floor. Oh, thanks for that, because I nearly said uh, <laughs> he was going to be on the second. <laughs> and my second clue is, could it be that I subliminally mentioned that we were doing a Room 101 show to Terry and he picked this question because he, f- he found it amusing that Joe is in Room 101? Or could that be to throw you off the scent? Oh, I don't know. I'm having a think. Oh, I'll just take the bait. <laughs> I like that. Uh, I like it if he has snuck that in. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'll go room 101. I'm okay, Matt, thinking. we need an answer. Oh, damn it. I was going to go. You haven't got a game loaded up there and you're just running around the Aoi quickly. Running around the Aoi <laughs> right now and just having a look. <sighs> I'm going to go 102. Okay, interesting. This is definitely Terry writing a question because I'm the one reading it, but in the guest book of the Niawu Hotel, which of the following quotes is written by James Brown? Certainly better than Freestay Lodge. I would love to stay another night, but I must be on my way to Baishu. Or, amazing food from welcome hosts. I can't wait to come back and stay here again in this beautiful part of the world. See you soon. Or... Thanks for making this a reality. It's been an incredible journey. I'm proud to be a part of the saga. Also, I would recommend the carrots. Or, finally, the dream will never die. Love and respect. I know this one. It's C. Yeah, I've, <laughs> the giveaway word was carrots for me, I think. So I'm yeah. going for C. <laughs> it was C. I, I knew that straight. Yeah, I've seen it enough. Because it's one of the first ones that pop up when you open the book. You know me all too well. I couldn't confirm that that is going to be a correct answer we <laughs> got one because I, I wrote that little bit of a uh, inside joke there with the carrots question whatever we are on which shop in Niawu sells items made from phantom ritherstone and fake stone phoenix mirrors is it saramanda trianta antiques Niawu antiques or traveler's goods Bugger. Oh, I was in that shop on my list. I put the names in there just so you can see them. It might trigger a bit of a thought on that one. I'm just, I'm torn between two of them. I've just got to work this out in my own head. Bugger. Bugger, 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 bugger. That's really hard. I'm torn between two. What two, Matt? The two T's. The two T's. I'll tell you what would help in this instance is a loading screen, right? That could have been one that I could have put on the list of the Rumo one ones What do you think about loading screens? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, Shemi 3 does does out with them. You just walk into a shop. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Mm. Oh, 
Right, I need an answer from you guys, otherwise I feel like you're Googling. I'm going... <laughs> I'm not a I'm going to go Trianta, whatever it is, because that's the one that stood out for me first. Okay, Titch? Yeah, the two I vaguely remember are Saramanda and Traveller's Goods, but I'm going to go for Traveller's Goods. I don't think it's right, though. I feel like they're probably all shops in Shenmue 3. I think they are, actually. Traveller's Goods is definitely yeah. one, and I think Niawu Shop Antiques is definitely a shop. Next question. Which of the following market stands is not in Niawu Harbour? Is it Niawu Porcelain, The Tea Room, Every Last Drop, or The Fruit Basket? So obviously Niawu Harbour's a little bit at the bottom where the docks are, the Dejing's located with the forklifting. So that's sort of an area. Which of the following market stands is not available there? Can you remember the names of those shops? I'm going the Fruit Basket. I go the tea room. The tea room. Okie dokie. And similar sort of question, which of the following market stands is not in Vendor Avenue? So emphasis on the word not there. Is it the red pepper, delish dumplings, the bird cage, or egg tart? Egg tart. Oh, complete guess. <laughs> red pepper. It's not something that you really pay attention to, is it, in the game? <laughs> so I, I, I will yeah. let you off for getting any of these wrong. And a final one, shop-wise, which of the following shops is, so emphasis on the word is, at Niawu Harbour? So again, where Beijing is in that sort of region, is it Fruit Express, Greenhouse, I Love Fresh Oyster, or Joseph Kitchen's, I guess, fried noodle stand? Which of those can you remember being at the harbour? I Love Fresh Oyster. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with that. I, remember, I think I remember reading that one out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it made me laugh. Yeah, I love fresh oyster. That's opposite the hotel in it, kind of. Um, I don't know what question number on here, guys, but I suppose it doesn't really matter. So we've got a lucky hit stand question for you here. And this is obviously in Niawu. And it's a picture of someone. I'm not 100% who the picture of that person is. But which space is in this lucky hit stand? Which is the winning one? Oh, no idea. C, just because I can't see C. Uh, D. <laughs> D. Fair enough. Okay, next. The price of a steam bun from Crazy Dim Summers 3 and can increase HP by 60. The price of a dish of raw oyster is 15 and can increase HP by 390. How much HP can a chicken thigh meat restore? Is it 600, 900, 1000 or 1500? I don't think... The first two parts of the question really mm, help. Six hundred. Six hundred. Six hundred. Yeah, I'm going for six hundred as well. Okay. Last two questions: Who runs the martial arts shop, Muran Yard? Is it Ting Chen Shian, Duo Jiao, <laughs> Jiao Shun, Long Yun Meng, Liang Ren Yong Long? D. Just because I can. Um, C (laughs) Okay So just to elaborate Matt's gone for Liang Ren Long And Titch has gone for Long Yun Meng Okay And the final question guys In the product exchange centre The token prices for each item Fluctuates But which of the following item Has the highest token price Relative to the rest 
Is it the heart ring, the silver ring, the expensive ring, or the gold ring? So let me kind of let me just read that question again. So in the product exchange center, the token prices for each item fluctuates. Which of the following item has the highest token price relative to the rest? So I'm guessing it means which is the most expensive out of those four? Is it the heart ring, the silver ring, the expensive ring? Don't know if that's a clue. Or the gold ring? I want to go for expensive ring, just because it's so blatantly obvious. I'm going to go heart ring for some reason. All right. I'm going to submit these answers, guys. And Matt, your score is 7 out of 20. <laughs> That's awful. Okay. Titch, your score... Do you think you've done better or worse than Matt? Oh, it has to be worse, surely. Well, you might be surprised to find that you've done better with 11 out of 20. <laughs> Very well done. <laughs> so Titch is the oh Shenmue 3 champion of the world, possibly, because... Well, you're the only two people that have participated in this quiz so far, so someone could do better than that, I suppose. But yeah, let's just run through the questions. So the fried dumplings is 210 health restores. I think you, well, one of you said 181, one of you said 150, so it was 210. Titch got the Chinese character. It does mean that it means good fortune, good luck by being upside down. He has left a little note there. Uh, I'd probably just get Matt to put that on the screen because there's a lot of Chinese characters there. The virtual fighter character in the poster was Pi, so Matt was right on that one. And then just a little bit of potluck here. You both got the section of the lucky hit board right. On that first instance, it was B. On the second one, it should have been C. You both got that wrong because someone went A, someone went B. <laughs> the email messages, will this village survive with just old folks, women and children? was who she will which titch said titch actually got the first three of these messages right so i wish for cute little brother that was wang mei ling i pray no disasters before the village was shu yu ye i don't need a pathetic man find me one i can follow to the ends of the earth was actually mao mei mei so you both got that wrong and finally oh dear there are no good fighters coming out of bailu Titch got that one right. So she actually got four out of five of the email messages. It was Feng Cheng Shu. Wow. Nice, nicely done. <laughs> so Matt got, in the Bailu Village section, two out of ten. Titch got six out of ten. Fairly respectable. And for Niawu, Matt got five out of ten and Titch got five out of ten. So it's literally four-point difference, which is correct. Um, so the room that Joseph Kitchen stays in is 101. So it was quite well um, <laughs> designed. Uh, going on the basis of the, the show theme. The guest book, you got both of that right. That was my message about the carrots. The Phantom Riverstone and Fate Phoenix Mirror Shop was actually Trianta Antiques, or however you pronounce that. So Matt was right in that instance. The Fruit Basket, Matt was right. It wasn't a shop in Niawu Harbour. Delish Dumplings is the shop that wasn't in Venda Avenue. The shop that was at Niawu Harbour, you both got that right. That was I Love Fresh Oyster. The lucky hit board of the face that no one really knew who that was. You both got that wrong. It was B. 600 health. You both got that right for the chicken thigh meat. That's how much health it restores. Who runs the martial arts shop? Murin Yard. Titch was right with Long Yun Meng. And finally, you were both wrong with the, the ring. It was actually the gold ring was the most expensive out of those four wow. relative to the rest. <laughs> so, yeah. 
I guess thank you very much for that and insanely hard quiz, Terry. Bloody ridiculously hard. It was. It was a bit, maybe a little bit too hard, Terry. You might want to dial it back a touch next time around. But if you do want to have a go at that quiz, like I say, I should have probably said this before we started the quiz, but there is a link in the show notes below. You can have a go before Matt and Titch give their answers. Obviously, we're now on after that, but uh, the thought was there, I suppose. So that's it, guys. We've come to the end of the show. A little bit of housekeeping. Matt, if you can sum up Shemu Dojo, where to find us and all that sort of stuff, because I feel like you do it really well. And then Titch, if you can follow that with where people can find you. Obviously, you stream on the dojo. Just give a little bit of information and all of those different outlets. Quality. Yep, so Shemu Dojo, you must know where we are by now. You can find us over on Twitter, um, at Shemu underscore Dojo, on Facebook, Shemu Dojo, YouTube, Shemu Dojo VOD, Twitch uh, is Shemu Dojo, Instagram, you've probably guessed it by now, Shemu Dojo. We're everywhere. Um, give us a like, share, subscribe, all the rest of it. Um, we are approaching 10,000 followers over on Twitter, so the last push to the 10,000 would be amazing because we've got some good competitions lined up for it when we get there. But thank you guys, as always, for dropping in on the content. It is much appreciated. Yes, you can find my stuff on titchlife.com. I have Shenmue content on my YouTube channel. I also write blog posts now and again when I get time. I have written two on Shenmue. And I also make Shenmue-inspired crafting content in my shop. And that's titchlife.com? Yep, you can find everything there. That's the easiest way. (laughs) And obviously, Titch streams for the dojo what is it now every thursday every other thursday rather at 6 p.m yeah that's it potentially find that just keep an eye on the socials to see when titch goes live so yeah with all that said guys thanks very much for listening to yet another show another one in the pipeline done and dusted um hope you all enjoyed that particular episode it's quite fun to actually record that one was we're going to end with your song choice matt and the song for i have chosen is to the final battlefield Great stuff, guys. See you all on the next one. Take it easy. Have a good one. Take care, guys.
Ah, oh, look at the time. 